Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Thursday evening, January 25th. I am your host, Dave McHugh, coming to you from the WBCA NABC studios. Thanks in part to D3Hoops.com and others. Of course, the City of Salem, who is our hotline sponsor. Lots to talk about in Division Three. <laughs> it's another one of those weeks. Um, we're lots to talk about in Division Three. trying to figure out what's going on, especially on the men's side of things. It is anything uh, but easy. Um, you may have noticed in my top 25 this week uh, that I made some changes. Don't know if they're accurate. Already a couple of my top 25 teams lost right out of the gate. So maybe them we're not learning a darn thing in this whole process. Um, but... At the same time, uh, I think the WIAC is starting to come to grips with the same fact that it is starting. It's more about it's not that we have any great teams this year. We have a lot of good teams. That's not a negative. It may come across as a negative, but in reality, we don't have a lot of great teams. Um, we just have a lot of good teams. It makes for great basketball to watch, or at least good games to watch on any given night. We don't have any moments where, like, ah, I'm not even going to tune into that game because that's going to be a walk away. We're seeing it in the CCIW. Heck, uh, Illinois Wesleyan had a big lead on Elmer's Wednesday night, and that lead evaporated to uh, single digits before Illinois Wesleyan got regained control of the, of the game and and moved forward. Um, Stevens Point took its first loss in the WIAC. Uh, kind of not really answering any questions, but maybe at least solidifying that the WIAC is a free-for-all. Speaking of which, great article on the front page by Adam Turr here on this evening uh, regarding all of that. So, you know, what do you make of it? Well, it's it's on the women's side, things are solidifying a little bit. We've had a handful more losses this week, but nothing horrible. On the men's side of things, though, it's it's crazy. Uh, and it's going to be a free-for-all when it comes to March. It's going to be a free-for-all in, in February. I would argue, though I think I may have said something along these lines last year and didn't materialize, but if you're a Pool C bubble team, you need to be worried. Be You either need to go out and win the AQ or be worried. There may not be a lot of conversations in Pool C, as it were. There may be so many slam dunks, uh, top-of-the-conference teams. On the flip side of that, it also could be very complicated conversations. But if you're, let's say, last year on that bubble... This year, you're not even on the bubble, is what I'm going to say. And, and it's not because those teams don't have the, the qualifications. It's because I think there's going to be so many teams who normally in past years would have made sure to wrap up the AQ and may not wrap up the AQ. We may have some oddities in, or we're going to get teams who really were bubble teams getting in automatically. I know that sounds a little confusing, but I think the Pool C bubble is a little higher up the list than it normally would be this year only because i think more teams that are good are going to be at the table than because they don't wrap up an aq because it's so wide open i, I it's just kind of off the top of my head obviously we need to start seeing regional rankings and we have to start seeing sos numbers that are from the ncaa to understand the true dichotomy there but you know there's a lot of conference races the WIAC, the cciw and elsewhere that are that that are full of losses the nescac um the new mac the NJAC, the the landmark conferences, uh, you know, no one's taken control necessarily, though, somewhat. Uh, the CAC, uh, York took its second loss. It, it's so crazy this year that I just think that the Pool C conversation is, A, not going to go as deep as we normally do in the sense of how many teams are considered, because I think so many teams are going to be upset in conference tournaments. And then March is going to be wide open. 
it's absolutely going to be wide open. Whoever gets um, to Salem on the men's side of things will have earned it. Plain and simple. They will have earned it. Um, and they would have had a heck of a ride. I, it, I think I read somewhere on the board today, someone thought 25 to 30 teams might have a legitimate chance of Salem. Absolutely. I don't think you can write anybody in and say they're going to be in Salem for sure. Even when we look at the bracket, I don't think we're going to be able to say that. Whitman, we can't say that. We know they're probably going to end up having to go through Whitworth if should the, it should Whitworth make the tournament. Um, and others. It's just not going to be that wide open this year. And it's something we got to get used to, to some degree. Um, I'm going to be fascinated to see how it all plays out. Uh, but looking forward to it, that's for sure. Got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville, where we're also live simulcasting our show tonight. Um, of course, email hoopsville at d3hoops.com is always a popular way to get in touch with us here on the show. Uh, let's talk about our guests, then we'll get back to the craziness that has been the season so far. Uh, we'll talk to number two, Wartburg women's basketball team. Pretty darn good ranking. Off to the best start in program history, believe it or not. Bob Ames Amsbury joins us on the show. Then we'll talk to Amy Reed from the RIT women's program. The Tigers uh, on top of the Liberty League, or at least in the conversation at the top of the Liberty League. We'll talk to her about whether the team deserves a little bit of national attention. We'll take a break from uh, those in contention and talk to the w in the B WBCA center court and talk to Stephanie Stevens, head coach at Gallaudet. Uh, Gallaudet. Um, she's she's taken over the program for a few years, and and that's in itself a challenge. But we'll talk to her about what got her into really working with those who are deaf um, or hard of hearing, and that's not even the right way of saying it. Um, but uh, what drove her to this? Also, what is she doing off the court? She's very involved on the Galden campus. She's also very involved in the WBCA. Then we'll switch to men's basketball. Daryl Keckler will join us from Drew. We'll talk about the aforementioned Landmark Conference. Uh, Drew was undefeated in the conference until last night, and Scranton got a hold of him. Uh, and then we'll talk to Kyle Lindsay. The Adrian Bulldogs picked to finish seventh. I mean, this is this is this in a nutshell is this season. Adrian picked to finish seventh in the MIAA. They are currently in a, well, I think it was a three-way tie at the top of the conference. They one time had a two-game lead. Granted, they went to a, through a two-game slide, but they beat Kalamazoo last night. But Adrian's in this conversation, and no one thought they'd be in this conversation. We'll talk to Kyle Lindsay about his program and what they are doing. So lots to talk about uh, on the show tonight. Uh, so, again, if you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Etc. Etc. I know we're live streaming again on YouTube, and I think I see people chiming in there. We hope you're enjoying the show. Of course, they're on YouTube. Uh, by the way, the YouTube channel, if you happen to be on our YouTube page, you can ch chime in there with questions as, as well. All right, so let's look. At, quickly, we'll start on the women's side as to what's happened already this week. A handful of losses. Marietta lost their second game of the season to Otterbein, 69-68 in overtime. They'll have Baldwin Wallace coming up this weekend. That was the 19th-ranked Marietta squad. 20th-ranked Juniata put up a stinker against Elizabethtown last night. 79-55 uh, wasn't really that close. E-Town had control of Juniata most of the way. Um, that's their second loss of the season as well. SUNY Geneseo took their second loss of the season, the 24th-ranked Knights. 
Lost to RIT, 79-76. We'll talk to RIT here coming up, of course, in non-conference action for those two teams. Uh, Geneseo does have Oswego and Cortland coming up this weekend. Um, and then in the receiving votes category, Gustavus Adolphus took their fourth loss of the season. Steezen River Falls took their fourth loss of the season. Texas Dallas took their third loss of the season. And Washington and Jefferson took its third loss of the season. That's all on the women's side in receiving votes. On the men's side, of course, uh, a number of losses will start as high as seven. We talked about that. York losing to Frostburg State by 10 at Frostburg State. Listen, Frostburg State's got a couple things going for them. They have taken Christopher Newport to the wire as well. Um, they are tough to play at home. I think uh, Marietta even had a little bit of a tough time before finally putting them away. And Webb Hatch, their head coach, is retiring. The team may very well be inspired to try and give them a, a, a positive note. Though, at that said, they're either 7-10 and 10 or 7-11 and 11 this season. So York, their second loss, both in conference, all coming in the last week. Uh, remember, last Wednesday they lost to Mary Washington also on the road. Whitewater lost to Platteville, and it wasn't close. 84-67. Platteville handed it to Whitewater. That's their fourth loss. Uh, Wyack, I downgraded everybody on my top 25. I had everybody pretty darn high, or at least three of the teams. I had, I had Platteville hanging at the bottom of the top 25, and I had the other three teams pretty high. Stevens Point is leading the conference by two games when we go to vote, and my opinion is, okay, listen, Stevens Point, I've always said, is a good defensive team. They will always play well. They always will be in a game, but I don't think they have the firepower to win. So now they're winning. Okay. Does that mean I'm overranking the other teams or I'm completely missing something about Stevens Point? I'm going to lean towards I'm overranking the WIAC. And that's nothing against Stevens Point, but I have seen them in person and nothing blows me away about them. They were 6-5 and five last I saw them, losing their third straight game. Again, yes, against good competition. But if the WIAC is as good as they think they is, then I don't think Stevens Point would be leading it. I know this sounds a little crazy, but they are. So maybe everybody else I've got overrated. Maybe they're not as good as I think they are. And listen, this goes back to the whole conversation. There's nobody great in the comfort, in the nation. So this isn't a knock. It's just trying to understand where the barometer is. So I knocked everybody down. Uh, Whitewater stayed uh, relatively high. I had Whitewater at uh, 12th, Bow, to be honest. That was really more of a 17. If you read my blog, you'd understand that I, I, I had... I filled in one through four, then moved down to 10 and started filling out from there. I had nobody between five and 10 to fill in, and I ended up having to move everybody up five spots. So originally, I actually had Whitewater in 17. They're up at uh, they're up at 12 now. And then I had Platteville sitting at 17. And again, I had them really as a 22. And then I eliminated Oshkosh and then eliminated River Falls. Um, Oshkosh beat Stevens Point. Okay. I, I don't know what to make of that now. I think the Wyack is confusing. I think Wyack is the best race in the country. I think it's going to come right down to the end, and I think there's multiple teams in the running, and a good team's going to be left out of the Wyack tournament who may even be in the Pool C conversation. <coughs> Excuse me. Except if they keep beating each other up, they may not be in that Pool C conversation. Um, and, I, and I definitely think there's a lot of good teams there. I just don't think there's anybody head and shoulders above anybody else. And as a result, I, I brought everybody down. Am I right? I don't know. Excuse me. I don't know if I'm right on this. I could be dead wrong. Um, but that's just how I adjusted this week. Forgive me, something tickling my throat. So we'll see. But Stevens Point did get a loss, so did Whitewater. Wesleyan took another loss. They lost to SUNY Purchase. If you didn't get a chance to see the play, 
pretty darn impressive play. Purchase uh, with .6 on the clock through a, let's call it a two-thirds of a court throw. Guy caught it, took one step, and fired all in the same motion and uh, banked it in for the winner to beat Wesleyan, made number one on Center. Really great shot. Problem is, I would argue, Wesleyan shouldn't be in a game with Purchase if they're a top 25 team. They're ranked 14th on, a, on the overall poll. I had them sitting at 13, and I was trying to downgrade my NESCAC as well. That said, I don't think I did enough. I'm, I have uh, Middlebury, Hamilton, then Wesleyan, then Williams. And I may be overrating teams like Wesleyan, to be blunt. Uh, the rest of the top 25 survived down to 24. Baldwin-Wallace lost to Heidelberg, 82-80 in overtime. So after Baldwin-Wallace gets a really good win over John Carroll, they lose to Heidelberg. Go figure. In the receiving votes category, we mentioned Stevens Point lost to Oshkosh. New Jersey City lost again, this time to TCNJ. Here's my adage. I said this on the TCNJ board, or the uh, NJAC boards today. If the NJAC, and I, I think I said this on the blog too, if the NJAC is that good, if, the, if, if New Jersey City is that good, I understand the conference beats them each other up. I totally get that. But if they're truly that good, if they're truly that good, then you step above the conference and you beat the conference and you rise above the conference and you and you maybe only take a loss. But New Jersey City's now lost three games and they sit two games behind now TCNJ and Ramapo in the conference. And nobody's proven that they can do much with that. So very competitive conference, much like the WIAC, though I think the WIAC's a little far better. But the NJAC's a very competitive conference, and I get that, and I get it's deep, and I get anybody can beat anybody on any given night. But if you're a top 25 team, you are supposed to rise above that to some degree, especially the NJAC. The NJAC's not one of the top five conferences in the country. It's certainly a very competitive conference, but it's not one of the top five. And in that case, if it was top five, I'd give it a little more slack. But even those who who dominate or, or are really that good dominate their conference. Wash U currently, and we have more to play, is dominating their conference. Even the best of the best teams we see out of the CCIW do not lose four or five games in the CCIW. That's where I'm going with this. So New Jersey City, if they're truly that good, should be beating teams like TCNJ, and they need to win games on the road. They've now lost to Ramapo on the road. They've now lost to TCNJ on the road. Now, they made up for it and won at William Patterson, 101-85. Great, but William Patterson isn't the team they need to beat. Uh, they need to beat William Patterson, but that's not the game everyone needs wants to see them win. Now, they have a repeat with TCNJ at home on Saturday. That will be fascinating to watch. Nichols took another loss this time to the University of New England, 99-55. I just dropped them out of my top 25. Just didn't like how they were playing. Uh, and I think that game's indicative. Now they came back and beat Endicott 83-63, but that doesn't really tell me anything. And then Ramapo lost to Montclair State, 74-60. So I don't know what's going on with Ramapo. Uh, Wheaton lost to Augustana in a tight game. There's an interesting thing where, listen, the CCIW is very competitive, but Augustana being considered one of the top teams at least got that win. And it was at home, granted. Cabrini lost to Newman just after I voted for them as well. And they've got then got past Karen. They got Centenary coming up. So that's how they fared so far this week. We're going to take a break. When we come back, get things going. We're a little bit late in the show, so we got to we kind of need to push our pace a little bit here. Uh, but we'll get going. We'll come back to some of that stuff. I know I got some questions in my email box already. We'll get back to more questions uh, later on. Uh, again, if you have questions for us, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. That's hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also join us on Facebook and facebook.com/slash hoopsville. Um, let's see what else. Uh, you can also oh tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. 
course, uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville, et cetera, et cetera. Take a break. When we come back, we'll start off with women's basketball. Bob Amesbury joins us. Amesbury joins us from Wartburg, the second-ranked uh, night squad. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this Thursday evening show. Quick reminder, Sunday will be on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern time. And a week from today, the plan is to be on the air for 12 hours. Our Hoopsville Marathon show will be uh, underway. At least that's what we hope to be doing. Um, it will be hitting the air about 10 a.m. Eastern time, going till about 10 p.m. Eastern time. Again, that's the plan. Uh, you can find out more. We're putting it all together. Look for more information. In, actually, in the coming days, um, including an initial guest list as well all right so women's basketball the second ranked team in the country is Wartburg they have steadily been improving all season and they are off to their best start in program history it seems weird to me because I feel like every time I talk to Wartburg they're certainly having a pretty darn good season that I would think that this point in the season would be somewhat similar but I guess sometimes that out-of-conference schedule can get the best of you before you get into the IAC play um, that said, again, Warburg's having a pretty darn good season. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's a head coach of Warburg. It's Bob Amsbury. Coach, thanks for taking the time, sir. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Uh, it was more about timing because I knew eventually we would have you on the show. <laughs> um, again, you guys are second ranked in the country and off to the best start in program history at, at 18 and 0. Um, are you even playing above your own expectations, if that's possible? Well, honestly, Dave, 
you had me on last year and the year yeah. before, and we're still talking about the same kids. So yeah. I knew that we could um, potentially have a really good year with this group. Uh, they've been through a lot together, and we feature seven seniors and, and have everybody back from last year. So I knew that we could be pretty good. Um, I thought we struggled early, uh, especially on the offensive end, but um, we were defending at a high level early in the year and found ways to scratch out a lot of wins that uh, were harder than maybe they looked. Um, you know, once people saw the score, we were we were behind in several games in the third and fourth quarters early in the year, and uh, but we we were playing a uh, good enough defense that we were we were staying in games and then finding ways to win early. Um, and then, you know, we come back from Christmas and our offense really has been in high gear, uh, since Christmas. And so we've started to turn the corner and play really well now. Uh, well, that's probably scary for everybody else. If you're turning the corner and playing well now after an 18 and 0 start, uh, <laughs> and about halfway through conference play. Yeah. We have talked about this group and, and I remember it was kind of that, that turning point with the program when you kind of steamrolled through your own tournament a couple years ago and, and kind of marched that right into an incredible NCAA tournament run. You've been building since then. But even I, I know coaches who are like, hey, listen, we're going to take our lumps too, as good as we may be. Undefeated at this point, was that really something you thought you could put together? Uh, I did think we could. Um, I knew we were vulnerable. Um but we, I mean, the year before we were 25 and three and didn't graduate anyone. Yeah. And, you know, I thought that the games we lost last year were all games that we could have and maybe should have won. Um, but it's hard. I mean, it's hard to win every day. And yeah. our, I think our group has done a really good job of um, having a consistent approach and preparing the same way week to week and not taking anything for granted. And, uh, we talk about that a lot, about what our preparation needs to be. And then if we do our job on the front end, I think we're going to be in position to, to win on the back end. You're outscoring your opponents by 22 points a game, 77.8 to 55.6. You basically have, I would argue, five players in double figures. Katie Summers, 13.9. Miranda Murphy at 11.7. Uh, Megan Neuendorf at 9.9. 9.5 each from um, – I'm sorry – Aaron Jones at 9.9, Megan Neuendorf at 9.5, along with Christy Summer, uh, the sister of Katie. So you've got essentially five players in double figures, and that's not even considering Emma Gerds at, at eight points a game. There's a lot of weapons on this team. That's what's really scary. You know, there is, and I think that's that's obviously one of the reasons that we're very good offensively because we have a number of players that can really score it. Um, and, you know, I mentioned early on we, we weren't in a good flow. Um, part of that is we've got Aaron Jones and Morgan Neuendorf, both starters for us, are two sport athletes. And Aaron mm-hmm. played volleyball. And yep. she's two-time player of the year in the Iowa Conference in volleyball and um, has been in the NCAA tournament in volleyball three seasons. And we always get her uh, a few weeks late. Uh, and Morgan uh, was an MVP of the Iowa Conference in soccer, <laughs> and we got her a few weeks late. So it takes a little bit of time for us to get all of our pieces back, and and it 
takes a little bit longer for us to get in a flow, and, and that was the case again this year. Quickly, those players you just mentioned getting, you know, coming in from other sports. Do you also then have to be careful how you use them throughout the season? And you know, there's an, there's an element of saying, listen, when a, when an athlete continues to play, you know, they get into a groove and and they're fine. They don't necessarily wear themselves out. They don't tire themselves out. I know in high school, I found that constantly playing was a good thing for me. And in college, it was weird to then kind of take some time off. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, or do you have to be careful so you don't wear their bodies out or, or subject them to a possible injury because their, their bodies are a little bit dinged? Yeah, for sure. Um, each year we've, we've let them um, take some time off in between. And I think on the front end, it's hard for us, mm-hmm. but it, it's definitely worth it. And I, I've told both of them every year that I don't want them in basketball practice until they're physically and and mentally ready to come to us. And this year they both t- took uh, over a week off between seasons, and I was okay with that, knowing that uh, we need them more in January and February than we did in November sure. uh, and even early December. So it, that, I think, on the front end is worth it. Um, and now they're they're fresh and they're they're playing really well. Yeah, we should. Yeah, I mean, you you rather have them definitely in January and February because it also allows your other team, other players, to get some time and get some experience early in the season. That's going to benefit you down the road and, and allow you to be deeper as well. Yeah, no question. Um, we should ma- mention Katie Summer is now the all-time assist leader at the school. Um, her sister Christy is basically on the doorstep of breaking the three-point record. She's tied it. Uh, mm-hmm. those aren't too bad. Your number two ranking in our poll, D3Hoops.com, the highest in program history, along with the number six ranking in the WBCA poll. It's all about breaking records. You have six seniors on this team. Um, seven. Are you, is it seven? Okay, miscount. Good, thank you. Seven. It actually <laughs> makes it even seven. harder. Um, do you feel pressure that this is the season to take advantage of, if that makes any sense? Uh, not really. Um I know we've got a special thing going, and um, you know we're we're just sticking with what I said earlier about preparing the right way every day and having a consistent approach and not taking anything for granted. And I think if we continue to do that, we're we're going to be satisfied with where we end up. We're we're um, obviously very talented, and you know I think I've got a team right now that um, it's a dream team for sure. I mean at least these teams don't come around very often and we want to max certainly maximize what we're able to accomplish, but we're not going to put anything ahead of ourselves. And, um, really we just got to worry about today and being better today and, um, doing that one day at a time. And I think at the end, we're going to be pretty happy. You always get really good teams at your tournament, uh, between Christmas and new year's. Uh, if we weren't in Vegas with ours, I dare say one or two of us would show up at yours just to see the, the, the competition. You had UMAC leader superior. You beat them by nearly 20. You have co WIAC leader. We'll talk about that coming up. <laughs> WIAC on the women's side, just as crazy <laughs> as the men. Uh, you beat uh, Whitewater uh, by nearly 10. Obviously, you use those as a great barometer going into the rest of the season and, and almost a, a, a springboard into conference play because you have also – had a, I wouldn't say easy time. I would never say that, but you've definitely had control of the IAC since then. Yeah, that tournament's been important for us over the last 
three years, uh, especially, and we always try to bring in, in good competition. And, and like you said, it springboards us into conference play. Um, we do play three conference games uh, before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we want to have a great tournament at that time of the year. And, and really to have them at home is, is really nice because we don't have to travel and then um, recover from travel. We, we had a conference game then on January 3rd after that, that right. win against Whitewater on the 30th. So to, to be able to play those at home and, and not have to travel and be worn down I think is really key for us as we lead back into conference play. You've got Dubuque ahead. Really, four of the next seven will be at home. Um, obviously, trying to position yourself to stay at home for the conference race, and you've got a, a sizable lead right now. You've got Dubuque at home on the road at Buena Vista, then Simpson at home, then uh, and then Luther on the road, then a nice stretch of Nebraska Wesleyan and Co. at home before finishing on the road at Central. What now do you do with this team? 18-0 start, a lot of national attention. I know you guys want to keep playing well, but how do you – Maybe this is an easy answer, but how do you keep them motivated? You know, we're just focused right now on Dubuque. Um, our goal is to get to 19 and 0, <laughs> and that's really all we're thinking about right now. And um, you know, our our group is really mature. Um, I don't think that. I mean, I've I've harped on them about not looking ahead and um, not getting caught up in what people think we are ranked and and all of that stuff and. Um, just focusing on what we need to do today to be the best that we can be. And, and this group's really taken to that, and I, I think they're a mature group that uh, knows what it takes to win, knows what it takes to, to beat really good teams um, because we've done that before. And um, I'm, just, I'm just really proud of, of their approach on a daily basis. Uh, what's the ultimate goal for this team? At least the public one. I know there's probably ones on the on the chalkboard, on the grease board, in the locker room. But what's what what are the goals for this team that that we should know about? Well, I, I mean, I'm not afraid to say it. We want to win the whole thing, okay. and I I think it, you know, it takes a lot of things going the right way for you. Um, but I think that if we're playing at our best, we can we can compete with anybody in the country. Um, on the reverse side of that, though, if if we're not at our best, I think there's a lot of teams that can beat us, hmm. um, certainly throughout the country. But if, even in our league, I think that if we're not sharp, um, there's a lot of good teams, a lot of good players, a lot of good coaches in our league that uh, we, we are certainly not taking anything for granted. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us, Coach. Uh, I, every year I feel like I'm more impressed. I don't know why, but – um, it's certainly been building towards this, as you've as you've mentioned, and I'm pretty darn um, um, impressed with what the well, team's I done. That. Uh, 18 and 0, and and I, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Well, a couple things. Uh, everybody does it, but you deserve it. You guys, you guys are doing great things, um, supporting our game and Division Three, and it's the best division in in the NCAA, and you know it, and I know it, and. Um, for you to, to publicize like you do uh, really makes our game better. Um, but the other thing I want to do is um, put a shout-out to my family and my wife. Um, my wife's birthday is tomorrow, so oh, happy great. birthday to Aaron. Um, you know, the people outside of the profession, I think, maybe don't understand the sacrifices that 
families make um, to make to make teams uh, and coaches successful, and and my family certainly does that. Um, and then just to my players and and my coaching staff, uh, we got we have a great staff, and and our players are are all bought in, and um, it, it's uh, I'm surrounded by really good people right now, and and that makes everything easier. Well, well said. I I will echo the happy birthday to your wife as well, and echo the sacrifice. Uh, my wife's upstairs with the kids. Uh, I know what you're saying. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for coming on, Coach. I have a gut feeling we'll be talking to you uh, sometime in the near future as well. Sounds great, Dave. Thanks All right, a lot. Take care, Coach. You bet. Coach Amsbury joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, again, Wartburg 18-0. and you know, he wrapped it up pretty well, what I was going to say at the end. I think they do have a team that can win it all. They really do. They've got some nice pieces of that, really good defense, really solid offense that can maybe give a team like an Amherst a run for it. Amherst a little bit more defensive-orientated than offensive-orientated. Um, but, yeah, and you don't play. You're gonna If you don't play right, you're going to get lost. Or you're going to lose. You're going to lose a game to somebody. Um, so a good point from him. Um very quickly, uh, did you? We talked about the Wyack race at the beginning of the race. Did, did you see the the women's race in the Wyack? There's a five way tie right now in this in the in the WIAC, five and two. It is absolutely insane on both sides of the ball, as it were. Oshkosh, Whitewater, River Falls, Eau Claire, and Lacrosse, all five and two in that conference. Stevens points then two and five. Platteville one and six. Zero oh and seven for Stout. That's on just the women's side. If you go to the men's side again, Stevens points six and one, Platteville's five and two. Then it's a three-way tie for third. Whitewater, Oshkosh, River Falls at four and three. Lacrosse is three and four, and then it's Eau Claire and Stout. So absolutely crazy. Wyack both men and women's basketball. All right, going to take another break. When we come back, uh, we'll keep with the women's team. We'll head up to Upstate New York, Rochester Institute of Technology, Rochester Tech, RIT, whatever you want to call them. The Tigers are playing pretty well, including a win over Geneseo. Uh, we'll talk to Amy Reed, head coach of RIT, about her squad. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville when we return. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports.
We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, the show on this Thursday evening, ticking along. If you got questions for us, tweet us at, uh, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We do have an Instagram account, though. That's for promotional reasons. Speaking of email, we did get an email from Jerry who uh, let me know that Augustano did win their game at Wheaton. Thank you. I, uh, I misread my note. Basically, that's exactly what my note said. I just didn't read it that way. Uh, so Wheaton's going to, you know, that's a huge win for Augustana to play, to win that game at Wheaton. And again, stay at the top of the CCIW conversation. Uh, we'll talk more about the CCIW in a minute. We'll go back to women's basketball. We mentioned uh, at the beginning of the, of the show, we mentioned it several other times, that RIT got a big win this weekend over Geneseo. And I think that helps the conversation to some degree about whether RIT is also in that conversation in the top 25. Though that to be said, crack of the women's top 25 is near impossible with so few losses in such a tight group of, of teams. Of course, RIT had a little bit of a stumble just recently, losing to Vassar and then St. Lawrence in a week's time. Back on, on the right side of things with a win at Clarkson and then that win against Geneseo. Ahead, it's not going to get any easier in what is turning into an interesting Liberty League race. Ithaca, remember we were talking about the Wyack ties? It was a five-way tie for second. Rochester Tech's got a game lead on Ithaca, St. Lawrence, Vassar, RIP, and Skidmore. <laughs> These races are insane even on the women's side. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of RIT, Amy Reed. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's just start with the chaos uh, in the Liberty League. <laughs> um, uh, Ithaca, St. Lawrence, and Vassar are also also all eleven and five, and RP's ten and six. You guys are thirteen and three. Skidmore is about the only oddball because they're eight and eight and six and three in conference. But this is a crazy race, and I don't remember the Liberty League being this competitive at this point in the season. Usually, we have a couple like Ithaca and even yourselves who kind of start pushing away from everybody by this point. Well, um, this is definitely the most talented the Liberty League has been um, since since we've been a part of it, since I've been here at RIT. Um, and, and like you said, there's a five-way tie for second place with six and three. So it's it's been crazy. And we kind of just, um, all the teams just kind of beat up on each other throughout throughout the course of the year. And uh, and really, there are no guarantees, uh, no matter who you're playing and you and you walk on the court. Um, and it's and that's been evident this year for sure. Yeah, I don't want to bring up sore memories, but you kind of helped ca- help this cause, as it were, with that two-game slide um, last week, losing to, of course, the ones in the race, Vassar and St. Lawrence. Um, also with a earlier loss this season to Rochester, you're actually having a pretty solid season this year. Last year, 19-9, and nine, the year before that, 20-7. and seven. The, the years of 12-3 and three are, seem to be very much in the rearview mirror now. Yeah, I mean, well, um, first of all, St. Lawrence and Vassar are two very, very good teams. Yeah. Um, I thought, I thought that, um, I thought that St. Lawrence had a great game plan against us. Um, you know, uh, Corey, Corey Okada was scoreless in that game. Um, uh, Saturday, Vassar, Vassar um, played very, very well, and um, they shot the ball really well. They're just, they're both teams are just very well coached. So, um, like I said, I mean, I, and I think when you're 
I think when you're in first place, you know, obviously teams are gunning for you and they're, mm. and they're ready for you. And they're, um, they're giving your, your, uh, you your best shot every time. Yeah, absolutely true with that degree. Uh, what's interesting is similar to Warburg, you're, you're outscoring your opponents significantly despite those three losses and one of them to Rochester. You're scoring 72 points, your opponent's 56, and you've got four players in double figures. Uh, it feels like this is a team that's very much built around making sure everybody can somehow contribute. Yeah, it's been really. We've been really fortunate because um, we have we have a lot of players, especially in the starting lineup, who who can score. So it's kind of a question of if you're on the opponent's side, like who do you, who do you guard, who do you take away, right? So um, we've had a little bit more consistency down the stretch with with some of our players and, and their scoring. So that's been really good. We've been shooting the basketball a lot better. Um, so um, it's it's kind of exciting to see um, these next couple of weeks are going to be are going to be interesting. I think. Yeah, that's the other thing is how do you – you get that two-game slide. How do you get the, the team kind of out of whatever funk they were in? I don't know they were in a funk. I'm just – I'm kind of making that based on the two-game loss. How do you get them at least focus on, hey, we can get out of this? Is Clarkson almost a perfectly timed team there Did, to help with that? And nothing against Clarkson. It's just a team you know you can beat. Well, I think I think our team, uh, right or wrong, you know, kind of had in their mind, you know, we – we played Clarkson in the Liberty League Championship last year, so there's that rivalry component. So I think it was a, I think it was well timed in that sense, where uh, we knew they were going to be tough. They, we knew they were going to play us tough. It's it's really hard to win on the road in, nor- in the North Country for lots of reasons. So I, I just think they, um, you know, when we lost to St. Lawrence on Friday, I think they just it was kind of a little bit of a wake up call, like, hey, we really we really have to come uh, ready to play. Every single day, every single day, no matter what, and um, I think we—I was really proud of their effort on on Saturday. It was a little bit low scoring, but I thought that we um, played really, really good defense and um, and and handled that game really well to bounce back. The Geneseo game, I think, really stood out to me. Um, I know there's probably some condemnation about, hey, you know, this is a pretty good squad. Why aren't we getting some top 25 love? And to be honest with you, there's a lot of women's teams like Marymount that I've been wondering where where the top 25 ranking will be because there's so many good women's teams this year, I think. I think it's a very deep. I think the top's pretty darn good, but it's getting deeper. But that Geneseo game really helped me understand where you guys are coming from. Geneseo's been a, a behemoth in the East region for, a, for quite a few years now. And to get that win, especially at home, has got to be pretty good for you guys. Almost like a little feather in your cap. Oh yeah, it was it was a great game. I mean, uh, we played we played extremely well in the first half. We shot the ball, I think, fifty percent in the first half. So we were up, I think, fourteen. Uh, but I, I knew, um, you know, Scott's a great coach, and, and I knew they were going to come back. They've got a lot of really good uh, young players and a lot of really good shooters, um, and they hit some big time shots uh, in in the third quarter. But but uh, the difference was is that we we also hit some big time shots down mm. the stretch. So it was um, it was a little bit exciting at the end. It was kind of back and forth. They advanced the ball a few times, and mm. we ended up winning by three and hit some uh, clutch free throws at the end there but um it was it was it felt really great we hadn't beaten them i think since 2009 yeah. um and and we've had a couple of tight games with them last year they they beat us at the buzzer so um we, we definitely had a little bit of a history there but i think it was it was really good for our confidence um you know this year we were able to beat two teams that were in the top 25 i think ithaca at the time was like maybe yeah. 22 or 23 so that was that was really good for our program i think um and you know, yeah, it would be nice to be to be in the top twenty-five, but I think we're focused on um, you know one game at a time sure. and making sure that we take care of business each night because again, our league is just so tough yeah. um, that we have to we just have to be ready every single night. 
Uh, is this feels like a maybe a season you've been building towards? You've got six seniors, kind of like what we just talked about with uh, Bob Amsbury at Wartburg. You know, he's got seven seniors in a program that every year we've had them on because they're building. And I looked, we had you guys on last year kind of talking about the same stuff. Is this a, a season that this has been building towards for some time? And, and now the expectations are we need to take advantage of it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have we have great seniors. We have six really great seniors. And I did something a little crazy this year. Actually, every single senior that I have is a captain. So we have wow. six captains. And I've never done that before. Um, they have um, different responsibilities uh, based upon their strengths. And I'm just so happy that every single senior is contributing in some way. Um, you know, you look at somebody like Abby Judd, who, who doesn't really play a whole lot, and we asked her to step in the last couple of games. And in the Geneseo game, she hit a huge three in the first uh, first half and at the end hit two really critical three uh, free throw shots um, and played really great defense. So she didn't play that much, but she, she did a really great job. And even Whitney Kent, who, again, doesn't play that much, will come in and play six or seven minutes and have five points and, and no turnovers. And then the rest of our seniors are, are um, either starters or they have a more significant role. So I definitely think our, our team is full of some really great seniors who have some really great leadership and, um, and they've been waiting for, you know, this type of year. We had a great year last year too, but yeah. I think at this point in the season, um, they, they, they're on a mission and they've got something that they've got something to prove for sure. When you look at what you've got ahead of you, you've got, Nine games left, I think it is. It's four on the road, five at home, starting with WPI and, and William Smith this weekend. Um, then you go through a three-game home stretch. Then you're back on the road the following weekend, ninth and 10th at Vassar and Skidmore, and then back home to finish it off on the 16th and 17th. What's, gonna, what's it going to take to either, A, stay ahead of the fray, or even if you can, pull away from those in the conference and, and kind of give yourself some cushion? Um, I think, um, you know, we're just, uh, we're just, Dave, we're just taking it one game at a time. You know, this weekend, <laughs> RPI is a, is a really good team. They, they, they hold teams uh, to very low scoring. Um, we did not score that much against them last time. They do a really good job of packing it in. So I just think, you know, just making sure that we take one game at a time and then a very good William Smith game on, on very good William Smith team on Saturday. Um, so, um, I don't know if that's really answering your question, but no. we're just really focused on one game at a time <laughs> at, at this point. And uh, we, I often say, to, even breaking it down further than that, one quarter at a time and just constantly telling my team that, hey, it's 0-0 zero, zero, no matter what the score is. Because I just think that, um, you know, like I said, that um, every team in our league is tough and we just have to be, um, we just have to be in that mindset. Uh, you're going to win the early uh, rounds, or at least you're the early leader in the clubhouse, as it were, with Coach Speak. But uh, I love it. Uh, it's it's yeah, this is what we this is why we get you guys on because sometimes we want to hear the different perspectives of things. So what, let me ask you it this way: What's the message to the team in the locker room about preparing for each game? Um, we we make it a lot about us. Um, not that we don't obviously uh, oh, sure. scout teams and watch a ton of film, right? Um, but we've been we've been talking a lot this year about about flow and about just being in rhythm and being on the same page. Um, we're actually working with um, a leadership and performance coach this year, and she's made mm. like a huge impact on our team. And we've been again focusing on individual performance and um, just being in flow. And I I think that's really really helped us a lot. Uh, to take, you know, take that responsibility and kind of like turn in on yourself and see what you can do as an individual. Um, and then when all five people out there are doing that, it's, it's pretty fun to watch. So um, that's kind of been a difference, a difference maker for us this year. And um, we're, we're still doing that. So 
uh, I'm excited to see what we can do. Oh, fascinating. The leadership thing there. there different different angle on that. Um, real quick, Jessica Gla- Glass leads the team in scoring. Corey Okada second. Sabrina Wolf is third. Tara Lynch is fourth. They're your double-figure um, scorers. By the way, nearly everybody's hauling down four to five rebounds a game, so it's pretty even in that category. Amanda Olsen is the one at 8.2. Final thoughts on, or or little uh, synopsis on those players and and others on the bench that makes this team click, as it were. Um, well, again, I think it, it just comes down to our seniors, and we also have uh, Sabrina Wolf, who's an incredible freshman. She's been um, uh, five-time Liberty League Rookie of the Week, which is a which is a record for our program. Um, and she she was starting earlier in the year, but now she's coming off the bench. So um, it's just a really great six man to have there who can really score. I think she's. I think she might be averaging double figures as well. So, um, and uh, Jessica Jessica Guaz is getting ready to. Um, she has a really good chance of becoming the number one scorer in RIT women's wow. basketball history this year. So, um, and, and she's playing very well right now. So um, it's pretty exciting. I can't believe you're in your tenth season there. Time seems to be flying. It is. That's amazing. Uh, by the way, we got a picture sent to to us uh, that we cut out and, and on the show. Uh, you got your your. I'm not. I'm no fashion person. I wear a polo. I'm very comfortable. <laughs> but I love the vest with tie look. That's outstanding. Oh, thank you. That's just. I I wish I could pull something off like that. <laughs> I just that that makes life easier. You look great. Um, thank you. Very, I, it's amazing the different looks we get from coaches on the men's side. Everybody's got. I like that. That can you show me how to pull that off? Um, I, I can do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll be in touch. I'll, I'll get my wife in touch with you. <laughs> you know, you can have a good laugh about my fashion sense. Um, <laughs> Coach, fascinating season. Uh, really impressed again with the Geneseo win, um, and really impressed with this conference race too. Uh, thanks so much for coming on and talking about your squad. Uh, I realize there's a lot to play for, but congratulations so far. I have a feeling we'll be talking about the Tigers in a few weeks as well. Uh, any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, I, I think that if you haven't seen us play yet, um, check us out because we're fun to watch. And uh, go Tigers. Awesome. Works for me. Coach, thanks so much. Take care of yourself, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, Dave. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Hit the wrong mic. There we go. Uh, Coach Amy Reed joining us from RIT Women's Basketball in the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her taking the time. Really, I don't know what it is. There's something about this team that's got me intrigued. The overtime win over Ithaca. They've already beaten RPI. They've got a game lead on what is a crazy fray in the conference. Yeah, they lost to Vassar and they lost to St. Lawrence, one of those on the road. They've got them coming back so they can kind of get them. I I don't know. There's something about this RPI team for a couple weeks I've been watching that has got me intrigued. We'll see how they finish out the rest of the way. Going to take another break. This time we'll make sure we kill my mic. I'm sorry. I didn't realize we were talking over the break last time. Going to... Go and bring in uh, our WBCA Center Court segment, actually. We're going to change up gears a little bit here. Um, Talk to the Gallaudet women's basketball coach. If you remember, we had Gallaudet's men's coach on, I think it was last year. Uh, We had to go down there. We had a translator and all that. Uh, The women's coach is uh, hearing. Uh, We don't need the translator, but we will find a way that guests can be able to listen into the interview in some capacity if uh, um, they can't uh, listen to it. But in the meantime, we're going to talk to her about everything she's involved in and how she really got involved and interested in coaching at Gallaudet in the first place. I've always said it takes a special person to do that, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I think you really are a dedicated person to go to Gallaudet and put your time in because they are a great community, 
and I wish nothing but the best for him. Well, we'll see what their coach has to say about that. And everything she's involved in, including the WBCA, where she got honored recently by them. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. We'll be back with more after this. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you're primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had bats. And the tears that linger. 
For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Forgive the phone in my ear. Apparently, we accidentally hung up on our coach again. Uh, technology. Uh, we'll try it again as uh, we get our coach for the WBCA Center Court lined up. Um, again, this is the WBCA Center Court segment. This is a chance when we get to talk to coaches who are doing a lot off the court than just maybe in particular on the court. They may be very successful on the court, but what they're doing off the court fascinates us. So we get a chance to talk to the coaches about that. And joining us, a special guest from Gallaudet University in Washington, D.C., is Stephanie Stevens from the Women's Basketball Program. Stephanie, thanks for taking the time to join us here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Sure. I appreciate you taking the time. Um so first and foremost, we should point out the WBCA has honored you, or it has in the past, as the what was it the under the 30, 30 under thirties coaches, basically taking an opportunity to say, hey, these are some of the up and coming coaches in our business that are worth keeping an eye on. What did what did that award mean to you, considering what you've done so far in your career? Um, you know that was that was quite an honor, and I know it was the first year uh, for the WBCA to promote that. And it was just a great way to connect with some of the younger coaches that I had uh, had experience with in the past. And just to be recognized as a young coach who had been able to get in the field so so early as a head coach is, is just a, a wonderful feeling. Yeah, that's the other thing is it's it's from other coaches, um, and it, it recognizes the work you've done. We should point out you were an assistant at Gallaudet for a period of time. Then you went and actually were an assistant under Brenda Freeze at Maryland. Talk about two different dynamics, not because it's Gallaudet, but because you're going from a small Division <laughs> three school to a powerhouse Division one school, uh, granted, basically down the road. And then you came back to Gallaudet. Um, what was the experience like at Maryland? We'll get to the Gallaudet story in a minute, but what, what was the experience <laughs> like at Maryland to have that ex, uh, that opportunity? People ask me that often, and and right away I just say it was incredible to work under Coach Brenda Freeze. She and her staff at the time, I know most of them um, are either head coaches now or they're, they're coaching elsewhere, but it, it was incredible. And just to learn so much in that short amount of time uh, was was you know, very humbling for me to to just be able to get a position right after I was the um, coordinator of recruiting operations, and then get the head coaching gig at Gallaudet. It was it was a cool feeling, but I was I was really happy to be back at Gallaudet. Yeah, the interesting story about Gallaudet. Um, of course, again, for anybody out there who doesn't know, it's it's a it's a deaf and hard of hearing. I, I think that's the correct term. A school in D.C. <clears throat> Excuse me, something caught my throat. And I said at the beginning, it takes a coach and it takes those who want to be there, I think, something special because you are not only working with incredible student-athletes in their in their own right, um, they're, they're certainly just like any other student-athlete out there as well, but you're choosing to work in an environment that's not normal for yourself. It's perfectly normal for them, but right. it's not normal for yourself. 
that's a challenge for you more than anybody else. Absolutely, and it certainly was a challenge. I can I can give you you know as many stories as, as you want to hear tonight, just in terms of my struggle. Um, but to to um, I guess the the term the correct term yes is deaf and hard of hearing. Thank you. And uh, so thank you for using that. I know that we always try to educate people who still use the term hearing impaired. Yes, which not necessarily true. Correct. Yes, deaf or hard of hearing is the correct term, and you're you're already using it, so that's a step up. Thank you. <laughs> oh, well, for starters, uh, I've been a, a f- I've known Galadet for a long time. Second of all, sure. um, <laughs> shout out to your SID. He does a darn good job yeah. of making sure <laughs> yes, people are on does. the right page. He knows me very well, and he still knows <laughs> to make sure to remind me a few things. But what drew you to that school in the first place? Well, it. I mean, in a nutshell, it started when I was taking ASL classes, American Sign Language classes in high school. And I had, before then, I had taken three years of French, and I wanted something different. So my fourth year, as heading into my, my senior year of high school, I ended up taking ASL. And it was so fun uh, just to learn a completely different culture and try to learn you know, the language, especially using your hands rather than the voices that we usually have with with the other verbal languages. And I took it throughout college when I was at University of Cincinnati, and I just fell in love with with the language and culture. And as soon as I was done, our, our my senior season, we finished up and, and I went to talk with one of our um, assistants, and he had a friend, which was the former Gallaudet coach, Kevin Cook. We're all from Ohio, and so that was, that was one of the, the cool connections there. But we, we were talking in his office one day, and I told him I, I wanted to become a graduate assistant, and he called up Kevin Cook because he knew that I had a background in American Sign Language and Deaf Studies. And so we took that call that day, and everything worked out probably less than 48 hours. So it was, it was a really neat experience. That's pretty impressive, uh, to say the least. I have a note that it, that some of this was based on experiences with your brother. Yes, yes. My uh, It's two different terms. I don't want people to get confused with intellectual disabilities and right. physical disabilities, um, just to make sure that's clear. But my yeah. brother, he has Down syndrome, so it was when he was at a young age, the doctors really encouraged us to learn American Sign Language because of his verbal motor skills just weren't that strong. So that's where I started the fascination of American Sign Language, but really didn't get into it until my senior year of high school. Uh, by the way, you, you're lucky. Um, I kid you not, uh, in college, <clears throat> I asked if I could do the same thing, if I could do ASL as a language uh, for my requirements in college and was denied. Uh, I was fascinated with ASL myself after spending mm-hmm. a year on the road um, with some ASL involved. It, it's, a, it's not worth going into the story. It's not as cool as yours. Um, <laughs> but they didn't want to let me. I, 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 I applaud whoever encouraged you to do that because it is a whole other language. It is a whole other culture. It opens Absolutely. a door to a whole other culture, which I think is great. Um, and you've taken full advantage of that. One of the biggest challenges for coaches at Gallaudet or any school like it, and there's certainly a number of high schools, is the communication side of it. And you really uh, came in with a little bit of a, of a leg up, as it were. Yes. And for, for me, knowing 
thinking I knew a lot of American Sign Language. You know, you think that you're pretty fluent in any language that you've been learning. And when you when you finally go and get immersed, as I was on, on campus at Gallaudet, uh, I quickly learned that I knew nothing. <laughs> so it was, it was really amazing just how welcoming the, the deaf community and how welcoming everybody on campus was uh, for me to learn their language. And I think it was, you know, it, it, it does take a specific person, I wouldn't say special, but just a patient person for myself to be able to struggle the way I did with another language. And, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for everybody who opened up and, and welcomed me and, you know, continued to teach me American Sign Language to where I can now say that I'm fluent. Uh, uh, that's awesome, by the way. Um, by the way, real note, quick note on your intellectual side, uh, art point of view. Uh, I agree with you. My wife works with autistic children, um, and sign language is kind of part of their Mm -hmm. lexicon as it were um and so i even ann and i will uh, communicate via sign language if she's up to speed i'm a little further ahead for her but uh <laughs> when we don't want the kids to know anything um sure. so it works out <laughs> now all of this and all this experience has given you some incredible opportunities one of them is with the wbca we mentioned that the under the 30 under 30 um honor but you also back in 2016 last year Oh, no, it's technically two years ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, got named to the WBCA Diversities and Inclusion Committee. Yeah. I have a gut feeling, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but gut feeling when 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 normal uh, conversation revolves around diversity in, and inclusion, how much does it not involve the deaf? You know, it doesn't, but only because nobody really thinks about it. It's That's not, my point. Whereas, you know, they're trying to push it under the table. It's just no, that no, no, no. nobody, right, and it's just that nobody no one really thinks, of thinks it. about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So what's it mean to be on this committee, not only representing a deaf school, but at the same time, with your, your now experience with this community um, and, and whatnot, and how much is the, has that maybe been a benefit to that committee? Sure. Um, you know, for, for myself, I was so privileged to be, to be picked and chosen for that committee. And, and you know, we, we have a wonderful representation of the diverse perspectives throughout the country and really thankful for that. Um, and, I, you know, I do often a lot of people ju just tell me, oh, you know, you're a voice for the deaf and hard of hearing and, and learning and respecting their culture. I've, I've realized that I'm actually not a voice at all, and it's it's where now that they have this opportunity to kind of, and I don't even want to say speak through me because they're not. I'm just advocating what they mm -hmm. have wanted for so long. Um, you know, for example, like on your show tonight, you are putting up that closed captioning, and that's something that they've been fighting for for years. And, you know, little things like that to where us hearing people don't think about. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that communication access accessible 100% of the time. So when, you know, we are going back and, and looking at videos, especially on the WBCA, um, you know, they've worked well, well with us here at Gallaudet in terms of trying to make it accessible for the deaf and hard of hearing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is work. It's not easy, especially trying to put these captions in. It's, it's tough. I'm <laughs> typing really fast. That. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not typing fast. <laughs> I'm a really good typer. I'm not that good a typer. 
Um, yeah, but you were saying. But, but the, you know, just some of those things that it's in hindsight, we, we just don't think about until it's, it's shown to us yeah. at that time. And I'm just very happy to be in a position to where I can, I can promote that and, and push it a little bit more um, to whereas, you know, there aren't a lot of deaf or hard of hearing WBCA members yet, and particularly for that um, closed captioning issue. But we're we're getting there, and I'm I'm really thankful that the WBCA is 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 wanting to get there as well. I'm curious because your your background also you played four years of 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 D1 ball at Cincinnati. You were an all academic member four years in a row uh, in the uh, Big East, the old Big East, I guess you could call it. I guess now <laughs> yeah. we're back to the old Big East, so that's a little confusing. But the Big East, <laughs> um, you're a role model, certainly a bench player. I can I can appreciate the bench players. There's nothing wrong with us bench players. Um, you remember the sack for the school uh, and graduate with a degree in special ed. I, no surprise there. But you did play D1, and you got a little bit of experience with D1 having been at Brenda Freeze's assistant. So, and I asked this completely on the level, why D3 and why, why come back to D3? Sure. Now, that's a great question. And um, even when I was in college, I had aspirations of becoming a Division One coach uh, for so long, and, and I had always dreamed of that since I was a little kid. Um, I still had aspirations even as I set foot on Gallaudet's campus, but the immediate feeling, intimate feeling that I had with such a small campus, and it, it was just, it was, I guess... It's hard, it's hard to put into words for me, especially because I was so used to having, you know, uh, in high school we had over a thousand kids enrolled, and then in college, I mean, there were over thirty thousand students to where you you don't know half of those people or a quarter of those people, but here at Gallaudet, you knew everybody and you could see them every day, and that was a really cool feeling for me um, that I had never experienced before. So. You know, I had I had that experience for one year, and then you know I still had those aspirations of becoming a D1 coach. So I went to University of Maryland to con- to continue my aspirations, and I I absolutely loved it there. I can't thank Coach Freeze and her staff enough for just everything that that they did for for myself and and these younger coaches involved as well. But I missed the Division Three atmosphere. And I missed that, you know, to be honest, like that balance. There was, in, in college, I had to miss some of my cousin's weddings because we had recruits, uh, you know, that, that weekend or sure. we had games that weekend. And when I was at Gallaudet, I was able to go to one of my other cousin's weddings. And I, I just, I never had that before. And it was a really good feeling. Mm. Um, and that's what I did miss while I was at University of Maryland, then that's when I came to realize, you know what, I do want this, this balance. And I know you can have it. I'm not disrespecting, you know, the Division One atmosphere at all, because it's, you know, it's, it's amazing. But some people want to do it and some people do not. Um, I just want to be able to, to reach my student athletes as well, at a, I guess, more so off the court than on the court. And I think that's what, what, what we are able to do in Division Three, is be able to 
um, have that intimate feeling and that intimate setting with our student athletes and campus. Sure. No, it makes sense to me, and I appreciate the insight. Uh, I do think you overachieve, uh, and I say that tongue-in-cheek. Uh, WBCA Diversity Group, um, we should <clears throat> everything else you're doing on campus, which also includes uh, now the health and wellness liaison for the athletic department, you've now been certified as a, st- a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, you also completed the Marine Corps Coaches Workshop at Quantico with some other college coaches. Um, you know... As, as much as you say you like the work-life balance, you can enjoy the life a little bit, Coach. <laughs> yeah, that is very true, yes. And, and I, I do want to add with the WBCA Marine Corps workshop, that was an unforgettable experience. And, and the coaches that I was able to meet, not necessarily with women's basketball, but it was wrestling, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three level. Um, you know, we still communicate today. So it's just those relationships that I've been able to grasped through the WBCA and, and really grateful for that opportunity. Uh, that's an amazing thing I, to go through boot camp. I need to go through boot camp to get back in shape, <laughs> but I don't want to go through boot camp. The fact you volunteered to go through boot camp, hats off to you, uh, to say the least. Um, hey, quickly about your team before we wrap things up. I don't Absolutely. want to ignore them in any way, shape, or form. Uh, six and 11, four and five in NEAC play. Um, kind of still kind of in the battle here for possibly making the conference tournament. Um, a junior transfer, Hannah um, Neald from Litchfield, mm-hmm. oh, uh, New Hampshire, where she played at Merrimack for a couple seasons, which is pretty impressive considering uh, a lot of things. Um, you're building this program to some degree. Uh, I know that. I know it's not easy to get students that will fit the community, for lack of a better description. However, how do you think the team's doing? How do you think things are progressing moving forward? Sure, absolutely. I, I think that overall our team is doing great. I mean, the last several years building this program and, and getting our student-athletes to understand the, the level of, of life skills and athletic skills we want to be able to achieve is, is just – it's an honor for them to – you know, for us to be able to feel that way. Um, we, you're right, we are currently in our, we have North and South Division, so currently we are listed, we're ranked fourth, um, and we play this Saturday against the, the third-ranked team, and that's, you know, we, we're going to battle that out. We do have, we still have a chance to get into the NEAC playoffs. Um, we, we do have seven conference games left, and, you know, we, we just got to, <laughs> got to push on. We we do have some some injuries and season ending injuries as well, but you know that's how it goes sometimes, and you can't let that affect affect the morale. And you know we're just staying positive and and pushing hard. Uh, the other challenge too is you only have three of your next eight games at home. You're going to be road warriors right. <laughs> to some degree here. Uh, I hope you like that bus. We're used to it. Yeah. Uh, and our yeah, men's team is great as well, so we're, we don't mind traveling with them one bit. I was going to say, you're also the most southern team in the NEAC, so it's all about the long yes. trips uh, yes. for but you guys. But you know guys. what? One thing that we actually – it's pretty unique for us at, here at Gallaudet because we have so many deaf and hard-of-hearing high schools around the country that any time, for example, we're in two weeks we're going to New York, we get to interact with those – deaf students from, um, for example, the New York State School for the Deaf. And we've, we've visited Rochester. We've, we've visited Marie Phillips School for the Deaf. Um, 
which used to be the learning center mm-hmm. in Massachusetts and, and everywhere. I mean, we've, we've even taken trips, you know, through, through California where we've, we've got to stay at California School for the Deaf, Riverside, and Fremont. I mean, it's just a really cool connection that these, these younger student-athletes and students get to meet Gallaudet and, and our student-athletes when we step foot on their campus. And it's just a pretty cool experience that you, you normally will, will never get anywhere else. That is cool, uh, to say the least. That is cool, um, and I just I, I, I everything about that school. I have gone through a lot with it <laughs> from my playing days <laughs> till now. I'm always <laughs> impressed with the stories, to say the least. Uh, Coach, before we let you go, we do have the questions from the WBCA Center Court segment that we always run. So if you don't mind, want to throw those at you and uh, see see what your thoughts are. They're the same questions we ask every coach in this segment. Um, they're, you don't need to overthink them. They're off the top of your head. We're, they're kind of curiosity type questions to get to know you a little bit better. Not that we didn't just get to know you pretty well. Um, no problem. first and foremost, I think you probably answered this and we probably know the question or the answer, but we're going to ask it anyway. Favorite thing about coaching, especially in division three. Yes. Uh, the intimate setting that we have here at, at, at division three level and particularly with Gallaudet university being the only, University for the deaf and hard of hearing. Uh, biggest pet peeve? Pet peeve. Oh, okay, my biggest pet peeve, especially if one of our teammates or even the opponents, if they fall on the floor or they're diving for a ball and nobody helps to pick them up, I can't stand it. Everybody mm-hmm. should be should be running to them who are on the ground to help pick them up. Okay, I like it. Um, are you okay with them picking up their opponents? Absolutely. Good. Okay. <laughs> so I know some coaches who don't. Drives Absolutely. me insane. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, sportsmanship, people. Um, <laughs> yes. Your favorite rule or nuance in the game? Favorite rule. Uh, or, or nuance. It doesn't necessarily have to be the, a rule. Something it can be a rule sure, that you well, like or something about the game you love. Mm-hmm. Well, I know the rule that, that I definitely love this year is the coaching box was extended. Oh. So for us, that makes it a whole lot easier for me to try and get my or get our student athletes' attention anytime Not they're on true. the other side of the court. Yeah. So that was a huge plus for us. And and a nuance probably would be, um, and they the officials have been great more so that I've been talking with them beforehand. But when our student athletes after we we you know make a great play or something something happened and our our ladies get up. And our officials used to say, like, hey, coach, you know, your team's got to sit down. I said, honestly, they're just, they're just communicating, and they sit right down. So it's, it's kind of been, you know, hard for me to, to connect with them, the officials, but they're doing a lot better now of understanding, you know, our student athletes are just hmm. saying something really quick, and then they're sitting right down. So it's not like they're being a nuisance. Right. by standing all the time. So that's that's one of the things that I used to get annoyed with, but I, I can understand why they, they do it. I mean, it's a rule. <laughs> Fascinating. Uh, I I will agree with you uh, to understanding your point of view on the extended coach's box. I hate it as a public address announcer because now i got people blocking yeah. me. <laughs> right, uh, right. But I get it. I totally get it. Uh, we talked to you, the men's coach at Gallaudet about the challenges of that box, actually, and how referees sure. got on his case a lot because he would leave it trying to get attention yeah. so i if you want to yeah. go back to and, our hoops and archives. He, you know what he probably 
it's more important you know, for him. Nailed probably. it on the head. Yes, absolutely, because he is hard of hearing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want, the Hoopsville Archives has that interview. It was fascinating to absolutely. talk to him. Uh, in theory of that, what rule uh, do you want to see either added, removed, or changed? Um, you know, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I know that I just got um, chosen, too, to be the... NCAA on the NCAA rules committee. Ooh. So I'm excited to do that. Hold on. I'm writing so that I'm, down. I'm, I know who to call now. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm learning a lot just in terms of, you know, how the protocol is. And I'm excited to, to work with the committee members and, and our WBCA and, and beyond. Um, cool. I now know somebody else on the rules committee. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you have any pregame ritual or superstition? I, I'm not superstitious whatsoever okay um but i enjoy using the game day pre-game ritual by wearing my beagle socks and i say beagle because i am a huge dog lover <laughs> and i have a beagle at home so i always Aww. have i pull out my my game day socks and there's you know different colors but they're all beagle socks oh, very so that's cool. my game day ritual that's awesome <laughs> um this might be a loaded question your craziest travel experience Crazy? Um, no, I would just have to piggyback on what I said earlier about uh, being fortunate enough to travel and visit those local deaf high schools. Uh, you know, nobody else can say that, no. that we, we visit, um, you know, the, those, those deaf or hard of hearing high schools. Nobody else can say that we've stayed at yeah. a dorm um, to connect with them. And we always, both on uh, the men's and women's side, we always try to coordinate a mini clinic for those deaf students. And usually, for example, like we're, we're going to New York again, I said that uh, in two weeks, and we will actually be staying at New York State School for the Deaf in Rome, New York. And oh, we're cool. really thrilled about that. And this is our fifth year that we've done that. And their students just absolutely love it, and our students love it. So it's, it's a great way to make relationships. Yeah, I know Rome in that area, a very unique area. Good food up there, too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially ethnic, really good food. Um, how would your assistants describe you as a coach? Well, um, <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've been extremely fortunate to have such wonderful assistants who challenge me every day. I would hope that they would describe me as patient, um, a teacher, and dedicated. Okay. Uh, this one, I, I'm kind of interested to hear this one. Um, what do you tell a recruit that would get them to excited or even get them to commit to Gallaudet? There are several different avenues that I have to choose, particularly with mainstreamed deaf kids. Um, and, you know, I can't go into this long spiel of, of why, but there are 90% <laughs> of deaf and hard of hearing kids are born into hearing families. Sure. So a lot of a lot of times, um, these hearing families, you know, they don't get the, and I say they don't get the correct support from doctors. Sure. Um, in terms of you know how to raise or or, or which language they should use. Yeah. Um, so that is that is definitely unique for us because if we are if we do have a prospect who is from a hearing family and they actually are not at all familiar with Gallaudet or even American Sign Language, you know, we, we kind of have to 
modify what we say to them so then they don't get shell-shocked because it is, it's a completely different culture and many people can be intimidated of things that they are not sure of. So it's, it's been, it's been a struggle, but a, a, a positive struggle for me in terms of how to handle those different situations with the prospects and the families. Fascinating. Um, and then finally, when you retire, and I know you're young, I, I know when retiring I is a long term away, <laughs> but all coaches eventually do retire, coach. Um, when you when you do, what do you hope people will remember you as a coach? Good question. And, and I, I do have to say that hopefully I won't retire <laughs> about two, two to three decades from yeah, there now. You go. Yes, I, I well done. So yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, I would hope that each of my student athletes and student managers are able to, to look back on many of the on and off court lessons um, that myself and the former coaches have given them. You know, I, I hope that when they do look back at a specific memory, um, they will only have those positive memories about how we together got through difficult situations. And that could be, you know, in game or it could be in, in life. And, you know, there are a lot of times I, I feel lucky to have the support with our AD um, to be connected with our student athletes and student students on campus. Um, you know, for example, I am the health and wellness liaison, athletics liaison, and, and I get to I get that firsthand of, of what students are going through on campus. And, and I, I attend those meetings, those biweekly meetings, and it's, it's incredible just, just how much, you know, us as, as coaches haven't experienced or we have experienced and, and we have to develop an educational approach on how to do things or how not to do things. Um, so I just hope that, you know, at the end of the day, the students only look back to good memories and, and you know, of course, with our deaf community, I hope and I, I strive every day that not only do they live in the moment, but they know how important it is to give back to their deaf community and especially learning life skills through the game of basketball, but, but making sure that our female deaf students can, can know that they can play at a high level. Well, you are a tremendous um, advocate, that is for sure. Uh, Gallaudet is lucky to have you. Um, no pressure, um, but <laughs> I believe you still have a few titles at that college that you don't have yet. So That's I correct. expect <laughs> next time we talk to you that you've added two or three more. Yes, um, sir. And uh, wear them with a badge of honor, I am sure. <laughs> uh, coach, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those maybe tuning in? Just want to say thank you to you, Dave. I've, this has just been an awesome show throughout the years. And, and even when you started about 15 years ago, I, I do have to add that I was 15 at the time. Oh, God, uh, Coach. <laughs> Listen, I don't normally feel part. old, but you just killed me. You just killed You're me. You're welcome. Oh, I, come on. I'm not that old, but that hurt. <laughs> no, but uh, I would like to encourage all of, all of us D3 coaches part-time and, and, and full-time, just to become a member of the WBCA. I mean, we have so much to, to give and provide and, and so much to learn. And, and the more people involved, just the better it becomes. 
And, um, and also, you know, <laughs> with us, if anybody sees a student athlete with a hearing aid or a cochlear implant, something funny on their ears, please let me know. We're always looking for those, those mainstream student athletes that sometimes we just, they, they go unheard of until they're already in college. That's, a, that's an interesting recruiting ploy there, Coach. <laughs> I, like, do it. I like it, though. I haven't seen the show used in that way, and I appreciate it. Uh, oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you thank for you coming so on. Uh, the WBCA just added you to their promotions to me, team as well. Um, I w- <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> really, a joy talking to you. Uh, we went long, and it was worth every minute. Um, enjoy the rest of the season, even if it isn't a, a winning one. It doesn't matter sometimes. Uh, there's bigger bigger things in life than a winning season uh congratulations on everything you've done we look forward to catching up with you down the road and in the meantime uh enjoy the road as it were literally for the rest of the season <laughs> <laughs> thank you dave i appreciate it take absolutely care. take care coach that is stephanie stevens joining us on the city of salem hoopsville hotline from gallaudet university as part of the wbca center court we appreciate her time went long uh but darn it sometimes you just don't care a good conversation to be had there We have two more guests to go, so we're going to get going really quickly here. I do know there's some people interacting with us on YouTube and Facebook and elsewhere. I will get to your questions. I promise we'll just go into overtime to do it. Coming up, we'll switch gears and go to men's basketball. We'll talk to Drew men's basketball coach Daryl Keckler about his landmark conference leading Rangers. They're having a pretty darn good season, but the landmark seems a little odd, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just it's odd. What's going on? We'll find out. You'll listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Special shout-out and thanks to Sam Atkinson of Gallaudet University for his help and Chris Sabato out at Willamette for helping us figure out our closed captioning here for this segment. If it's something that's popular, we may try and do it for an entire show, though I'll have to admit it's not that easy uh, to read, I am sure. But in the meantime, thanks to those two gentlemen as well. We'll be back with more after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Cheer for the stumbles. 
that he should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. There's 100 ways you can join us. I do know uh, Big Mike, for example, has been chatting along pretty much to himself uh, in the uh, YouTube chat room. Uh, but I see your comments. I promise you I will get back to him. Uh, he's a big MIT fan. All right, no, is it Middlebury fan? I apologize, Mike. Uh, we'll get to some of his thoughts. I think he's got some good ones, and I'll get to him later in the show. But we're so far behind, we're going to keep things moving here. Joining us now on the Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of the conference, landmark conference leading, not Scranton, not Catholic, not Susquehanna. No, you don't, you don't, no. Yeah, Drew. Drew, men's basketball team. Listen, I've seen them in person. They're pretty darn good, but even I'm a little surprised at the Landmark Conference this season, but we'll talk to him about it. Joining us on this hotline, it is Daryl Keckler. Coach, thanks for taking the time, sir. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, you and I saw each other, was it last week? Earlier this week? I've lost track of time. Um, a couple weeks ago. It was, geez, really? Oh, man. I'm I think so. <laughs> really losing track of time here. Um, listen, I like the squad you've got there, but even you and I talked about it. The landmark just feels weird this season. Does it feel weird that you're sitting in first place? I know you guys were picked to finish in the top part of the conference, but you're in first place by a game right now. We are. Um, a lot of it's been scheduled. You know, we've, we've handled our business at home. Uh, for the most part, we do have a couple road wins, but we've, we've really played the better teams at home. Uh, so when we looked at the, the first part of the schedule, we knew it was something that we needed to do. Uh, we also looked at our roster and knew that we had a chance to, uh, to maybe make some things happen this year. Um, it's interesting when I look. You lose three of the first five out of the gate. Farmingdale State, New Jersey City. Okay, New Jersey City's been in the national conversation. You only lose by four. And Wilkes, though I'll admit that one's a head-scratcher, by seven. Then it's like you guys figured things out, at least on the schedule. That's how it is. You lose now two since then. Rutgers, Newark, a couple weeks later on, on December 16th, and just last night against Scranton. What was it about that start, and what is it about since that has apparently been different, at least that we see from the outside looking in? Yeah, I mean, the start, uh, we knew the start was going to be tough. I mean, Farmingdale State uh, was in the NCAA tournament last year. They brought almost all their team back. They really should have beaten Middlebury or had a chance to beat Middlebury in the first round of the NCAA tournament. That's a good basketball team. Uh, and we were on the road opening night, and quite honestly, we just weren't ready to compete out of the gate. Uh, we fell down big, had a chance to, uh, to maybe pull it out late, and didn't get it done. Uh, and then we came to our home tournament where we got to play Jersey City. We always try to play a good uh, team. A lot of times it's an NJAC team in our tournament. And we led for, you know, 34 minutes of the game against Jersey City. And, again, just didn't find a way to get it done down the stretch. Uh, and that's something that we, we had a little trouble with last year because we were young. And we were hoping that we could correct it along the way. And, uh, and, and quite honestly, Wilkes is a really good basketball team. And uh, they're going to be in the, in the championship talk for the freedom, I think, when it's all said and done. Uh, so that was really a 50-50 game. You know, they just outplayed us that day. Uh, but what we did is we started to grow in confidence as we competed with the teams we thought that were really good. Uh, we started to grow in confidence in our own abilities. 
Uh, and quite frankly, we have we have a couple of really good guards that just started stepping up and, and scoring baskets for us down the stretch of games. We started to find the right tempo. Uh, we play a very fast-paced style. Uh, so as we got in better and better shape as the season went on, uh, our confidence grew, and we started to realize that, you know, if we play defense and can force stops, we were really hard to guard in transition. So uh, as we started getting better defensively, uh, winning rebounding battles, we were able to start – piling up some wins. Um, what is it about this squad from your point of view that makes it so good? I, I want to wait to hear your answer first before I load it up with my thoughts, but what is it about the way you guys are made up that seems to be working? Uh, I really think it's, it's the depth that we have in our role players. Uh, we have two, two guards that pile up a lot of points and they average a lot of points and they stand out in the box scores. Uh, and quite frankly, they, they stand out when you watch it. Uh, but that's what helps us win games. You know, they, they keep us in games. They score a lot of points. They keep the pace going. Uh, but we have some role players that do a little bit of everything. Uh, they kind yeah. of fly under the radar. And when they produce, we are very difficult to beat. And, uh, you know, they, and that's player 8, 9, 10. We go 9, 10 deep at times. Yeah, you do. Uh, although we've kind of tightened it up to 8 uh, in conference play. Uh, but we really have some good role players that play multiple positions. Uh, we're allow- it allows us to switch a lot on defense, play multiple defenses. Uh, we can play in the full court or the half court, albeit neither one of them great. <laughs> we can do a lot of different things with the pieces we have, uh, and we can make shots. You know, we have a couple guards that can really make shots. That uh, if we do get some stops, we're able to go on some runs. You're right. I did see you a couple weeks ago. It was back on January 6th. Man, time is flying. Um, I saw you against the Gophers, 82-59 win against that one. What's impressing me in what I've seen the whole season about your team is you're putting points on the board. You're not shying away on the offensive end. You're averaging 88 points a game this season. A lot of games, you're putting up 90, and you have a decent enough defense to at least start shutting people down. It's not like it, the offense is a necessity. The offense is just being created by itself. You got four or three players in double figures. Riley Collins, who nearly scoring twenty. To be honest with you, it's not like he jumped out of the page with me at the game I saw you at. It's because everybody else, as you said, also contributed. Jonathan Napoleon, which by the way I love that name, uh, eighteen and a half points a game. Nate Aldrich, twelve and a half points a game. Darius Ryder, eight points a game. Dan Roybal, seven points a game. Sky Harris, seven points a game. You have a lot of guys contributing, and you're putting up a lot of points without someone who just blows you away. Yeah, I mean, uh, the more you watch, if you do watch Riley Collins uh, frequently, you recognize how special he is. Oh, yeah. He can yeah. really push tempo. He's I mean, definitely good. you've seen him a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he just doesn't. In that game, he didn't, he didn't like, say, I'm taking over, is my point, was you had, you have him, and then you have everybody else. <laughs> yeah, and then what's amazing is, there are times where a guy like Sky Harris, who averages seven or eight points, will put up 16 like he did last night. Uh, and he'll do it in 15 or 16 minutes. Uh, a guy like Mike Boyce will come off the bench and score 14 like he did against Susquehanna on Saturday. Uh, even we don't know who it's going to be on a particular day. Uh, we're just counting on one of them getting it done yeah. uh, off the bench. And then guys like Dan Roybal and Darius Ryder, they have such a, a solid role in what we do. Uh, that you'll see Dan put up, you know, 15 or 16 points, seven rebounds, five assists. You'll see Darius score 15 or 16 points and have eight or nine rebounds. Uh, it's the three guys, Riley Collins, Jonathan Napoleon, and Nate Aldridge, 
that we count on doing it every game. But then we do feel like we have five or six guys that are going to contribute the rest, and we just have confidence that you know a couple of them will step up and get it done for us every game. Um, defensively, your team seems to be uh, – it's now been a couple of weeks, so maybe I've got this one off. But it seems like you create chaos. Is that a fair way of saying it? Uh, we try. We try. We're not as aggressive as you know a team that presses for 40 minutes, but okay. we do try to mix in our presses. Uh, we try to change defenses. Uh, you know, being a tough-minded defensive team is what we're trying to instill in our guys and uh, not really where we are yet. So we are changing up and trying to do things from a cerebral standpoint to, to break rhythm of the other team. Uh, because we try to score at such a rapid pace, occasionally both teams catch fire. You know, you, both teams can find rhythm. Sure. But if we can just break the other team's rhythm, uh, you know, occasionally throughout the game and keep ours going, you know, we think we can we can have enough runs to, to try to win. Talking to uh, Daryl Keckler, head coach of Drew, uh, in the Landmark Conference. They've got a one-game lead on the conference. Let's talk about just kind of the weirdness this year. We've gotten very comfortable, very used to Catholic and Scranton leading the way. Susquehanna came out and uh, – Made everyone notice them in the last couple of seasons, twenty three and six last year, twenty four and five the year before. We knew Susquehanna was gonna gonna step back a little bit, but they're back to six and eleven. Scranton is just nine and nine on the season. Catholic has a almost a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, eleven and seven on the season. Granted, one of those losses is to Maryland. Now you find yourselves in a game lead over, ironically, Catholic and Scranton. Uh, Juniata though had come roaring out of the gate. They're fifteen and three, but four and three in conference. What's to make of the conference this season? Yeah, you know it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, I think if you look at the overall records, Juniata I think has fifteen wins. We have thirteen. Moravian has twelve. I think if those three schools were Catholic, Scranton, Susquehanna, no one would be talking about the landmark conference being down. Um, I think because it's Drew, Juniata, Moravian, people are kind of looking around going, what's going on with the, the landmark? Yeah. Where's Catholic? Where's Scranton? Uh, but when you look in the standings, Scranton and Catholic are right there in second place, one game behind us, and they're starting to play their best basketball. And when you're talking about programs as successful as theirs, uh, they're going to figure it out. Uh, they have really good players. They have great coaches. Uh, we, you know, we played Scranton last night, and that's a really good basketball team. Yeah. You know, when they're clicking on all cylinders, they're really good, and they're going to be in the mix down the stretch, um, and not just to make the, the league playoffs, but to win it again like they always are. Well, and that's, um, that's you know. kind of what I wanted to lean towards. What happened last night from a live stats point of view, because that's the only way I was going to be able to pay attention while trying to announce a game. If I put on the video, I would have lost track of what I was doing in front of me. Um, you guys had a, a good back-and-forth first half, kind of what I expected. Uh, you're, you're at Scranton. Um, and you have the lead, and it's. I put it to somebody else. It looked like Scranton woke up. Is that a fair way of saying it? Because they absolutely came out of the out of the starting gate in the second second half and just exploded right past you guys. They did. Uh, you know, I thought they played extremely well, and uh, you know, it was a really intense game. And look, they're a good basketball team with a lot of upperclassmen, some guys that have been through the wars, and they, they've won a lot of games, won a couple championships. Yeah. Uh, you know at some point when the times get tough and the games are big, they feel really comfortable in those moments. And I felt like they felt more comfortable in that playoff-type atmosphere than we did last night in the second half. Uh, you know, we didn't play our best game. 
by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but I thought they played really well. And to watch their intensity get to a certain level where you know, you know it matched their talent, they're going to be a really tough team to beat down the stretch. And, uh, and you know this as well as I do. In our league, when you play on the road, you know, it's very, very difficult. Uh, we have a lot of travel in our league. Uh, teams don't win much at Scranton. They yeah. don't win much at Catholic or Juniata uh, or Susquehanna, for that matter. So, uh, you know, when you're on the road, you really have to bring your best or, or you're just not going to win. Uh, so what do we got ahead? Uh, you've got um, the solo game on Wednesday against Ga- – or no, I'm sorry, you got a, the, the Saturday game against Goucher. Then you're on the road for two against Elizabethtown and Catholic at home for two and then on the road for two. So a little bit of a mixed bag here. How do you stay in position, as it were, in this conference race right now so that you make sure the Catholics, the Scrantons, the Juniatas, the Moravians, whoever it is, have to come through Madison? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, we still don't think we've played our best basketball. Uh, I'm not sure we've looked real far down the road uh, what the schedule is. We know we have Goucher coming in on Saturday, and, you know, we need to bounce back. You know, the, the loss last night, uh, our guys came in focused today. There was a lot of talk about, hey, what did we do wrong? How do we fix it for Saturday? Uh, I think we're just trying to figure out how good we can be. Uh, we, by no way, shape, or form, think that we have accomplished anything or that we've even reached where we're trying to be. So uh, I think we have enough that if we can reach our potential, uh, we can be in the mix when it, when it comes to, to going through the, uh, you know, where you go through to win the championship. Uh, but we really just are trying to get better every day so that we can be in the mix when the regular season ends. Uh, we, we just want to be in the postseason and, and see where that takes us. Yeah, I mean, that would be big, just being in the postseason to be sure. Um, I, I know that would mean something to you guys. I know it would mean something to the program. But I also feel like you guys have been knocking on a door of a season like this for a little while. You, you guys have had the program that feels like it's just ready to break through. Fair assessment? Or am I putting a little too much pressure? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, we, we definitely feel the same way. You know, uh, the league, and you know this from, from being as close to the league as you are, the league has been just exceptional the last few years. And it hasn't performed with that final four run, but we've been sending two and three teams to the NCAA tournament. Uh, and when you're a place like Drew where you're trying to work up from the bottom, uh, from where when I got there, uh, it really takes time because the top teams just keep getting better and they keep staying strong and, and they don't go anywhere. And, uh, you know, so we feel like we have been knocking and knocking and knocking. Um, and, and we're just waiting to break through, like you said. I don't know that we're there yet. We're still trying to get better and be good enough to do that. Uh, but I definitely feel like we're heading in the right direction. Hey, uh, before I let you go, I want to have a little fun here. I just saw a tweet you'll appreciate. Uh, your former AD, Jason uh, Fien, just tweeted, Excited to hear Coach Keckler and Drew Rangers interviewed on the great Dave Mc- uh, by the great Dave McHugh. That part's a little bit. BS uh, on on hoops. So he says, "Great times when I was in the forest." Uh, of course, he's now the AD in Maine. Wouldn't we argue he's in the forest now? We would argue that he's in the tundra now. <laughs> he left the forest. Well put. But yeah, always great to hear from uh, from Jason. You know, Jason is the guy who hired me at Drew, and uh, and he. Well, he did one anybody, thing right. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, he also hired me. Yeah, uh, so, uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> but he's uh, he's a big part of, uh, of hopefully us, uh, you know, getting to, to where we want to go. He he really had a lot to do with that, and I'm so grateful to him. 
Uh, and glad to hear that he's tuning in, probably on a nice, lovely, chilly evening up oh, in Maine. you darn right it's chilly up there, and they at least have some snow, which, no, nah, that's another story. Uh, Coach, real appreciate it. I love talking to you after the game. I always love chatting with you, uh, even when you give me a hard time, uh, like you did a few years ago. It's great. I love uh, having you on the show. Thanks so much. Uh, as always, you give the coach, though, the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, I just want to say thank you to you, Dave, and I love everything that you do on the website. And uh, you really bring attention to just a really special uh, sport in D3 basketball, uh, and we really appreciate it. And you, you give these young student-athletes uh, you know, the kind of respect and, and uh, promotion that they deserve. So thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate your kind words and look forward to catching up with you soon, uh, maybe maybe a little sooner than, than just once a season, but we'll, we'll work on it. Take care. Good luck the rest of the way, and we'll talk soon. Great, thank you. Absolutely. Daryl Keckler joining us here on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Team is having a pretty darn good season. 13-5 uh, and five overall, 6-1 and one in conference. Yes, that one loss coming to Scranton last night. Have Goucher at home coming up. Uh, winless Goucher. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, they're on the road against Elizabethtown and Catholic, then home against Scranton and Susquehanna, then on the road against Moravian and Juniata. Um, hats off to the program. We'll see. Fascinating race in the landmark this year. It's fascinating across the board. Why wouldn't the landmark also be fascinating? All right, way behind schedule. We're going to get going here. Coming up next, we're going to keep it with the men's basketball theme. We're going to talk to uh, the head coach of Adrian. Talk about another team that is in a position that we didn't expect them to be in maybe this part of the season. Kyle Lindsay joins me in a moment. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. 
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying this one. We're going into overtime here. Just a quick note for you in case you're uh, tuning in. One last guest, then we're going to answer some questions that have been out there for us or at least have some conversation, then wrap it up. We are going into overtime well past where I wanted to go, but some fun conversations here tonight. Uh, and we'll also button up and, and do some business on the other side. Uh, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville, at D3Hoops.com. Um, you can also... Um, Let's see. Join us on Facebook where our simulcast is going, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Okay, listen. The coaches and, and maybe the SIDs, I don't know how the conference votes, chose them to be seventh in the conference in a conference that we all expected to be a little bit down this this year, hoping Calvin weren't going to be as good as they were last year. We knew that. Adrian's first in the conference. Until recently, they were undefeated. What happened with the Bulldogs? They have absolutely flipped everything in the MIAA right now. Yes, they have lost two games since being at that undefeated mark that certainly garnered a lot of attention. But they're still playing. They just got another win in the MIAA, and now they kind of dictate how things are going right now in said MIAA conference. Well, as you know, we always go to the Hoopsville hotline to figure these things out and talk to the head coach. So, of course, we're going to do that. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Bulldogs of Adrian. It is Kyle Lindsay. Coach, thanks for taking the time, sir. Well, thanks a lot, Dave. Uh, we appreciate this opportunity. I, I appreciate it, too, because when I emailed you, you guys were you hadn't played Kalamazoo yet. You were in that two-game slide, and I always get a little nervous because some coaches, understandably, were right back, uh, can we talk another time? Um, I appreciate you not you know, just saying, hey, yeah, we'll talk. Um, but is that also maybe indicative of, of what is absolutely one heck of a season at this point in time. You know, I think we're we're really fortunate uh, to be in the position that we're in, uh, and and being able to to have some success that we've had. Um, you know, I think uh, we have great kids. Uh, is the bottom line great kids with with good parents um, who came from good programs? So that's really helped us a lot. You know, helped us out a lot is. Uh, just their unselfish approach um, and and their absolute total buy-in. Obviously, uh, as you know, we're we're counting on on a lot of new faces this year, a lot of young faces. But uh, I think that's helped us in that uh, these guys came in uh, not knowing any other way. Um, so I think it was easy for them to buy in, um, and you know they worked really hard to be, become close in the fall. So, and then the guys we returned, I think we're hungry for, for some success. So that's helped us. Again, you were picked to finish seventh in the preseason. And I realize some of those things are a little bit of a um, fill in the blank shoot um, because some coaches don't, you know, they're being asked to figure out how a team's going to finish in the preseason. And I get that that can be, you know, a little bit of a, of a pie in the sky idea. But, you know, you still get some sense of how we think the conference is going to turn out. Is this a combination of you guys are kind of maybe breaking through a little bit with a program, maybe above yourselves, but at the same time taking advantage of an MIA who nothing against Hope and Calvin and, and the rest, but it wasn't going to be as top-heavy as we're normally used to? Yeah, I know. I think uh, you know we're all kind of in the same boat in that we're, we're all counting on a lot of young guys, a lot of new faces, uh, uh, Olivet's probably one of the one of the older teams, uh, having a lot of juniors and seniors, but they're still, uh, you know, they're still counting on guys that that haven't played together for 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 very long. So I think 
we're all in a similar situation, which makes it for an an interesting year. It has been an interesting year. Did was there at any point in this season so far, up until that two game losing streak, that even you were pinching yourself, going, "Oh, look at what we're doing here. This is is this real?" <laughs> and I'm I'm not trying to, to to downgrade the team in any way. It's so amazing to me that you guys are having this amazingly break this this incredible breakout season and playing so well. Yeah, I think we had uh, in our in our non-conference seasons, uh, we had a couple of wins there that really gave these guys a lot of confidence. Uh, you know, the Capital win, uh, I think, is when it started. And then, uh, obviously, with the Whitewater win, it, it really gave the, these guys, I, I think they proved a lot to themselves uh, getting that win. And, and, hey, we can beat a good team. Um, and, really, we kind of rode the momentum out from that one uh, for a while. Um, <laughs> So I think, you know, sometimes uh, that's what it takes, I think, to get on a roll like, like that. And I'm not saying that's why we're able to do it. Um, these guys have, have done a really good job of, of being level-headed and, and not getting too up or too down uh, after a good win or, or a tough loss. So that's really helped us in, in our approach, I think, uh, approaching each day the same um, and, and just focusing on the next game. I think, uh, you know, not looking too far ahead or – or getting too down about maybe what happened the day before. So um, I think that's that's helped us quite a bit. By the way, I, I realized earlier I was talking undefeated, and I may have confused some people. I, I wasn't trying to say you were undefeated in the season. Uh, that would have been a, a different storyline. Uh, you were undefeated in conference play before uh, losing two straight to Olivet and Alma. Uh, but you did start the season 3-2, uh, and two, lost to Anderson in Case Western Reserve. But then I remember I saw you beat Whitewater, and I remember going, wait, what? Um, excuse me, <laughs> like what just happened? Then you beat Calvin, and then you beat Trine in overtime. This is a Trine squad that's been in the conversation at the top of the conference in the last few years. Then you beat Hope, and that's when I started thinking to myself, okay, something magical or something special is happening with this squad. How? What? What is the difference between that three and two start and what got you to where we are today? Uh, you know, like I said, I think it was a matter of confidence uh, okay. and a matter of time. I think uh, these guys have really bought in and, and committed to themselves defensively. And, um, you know, I think uh, when you're good defensively, it, if, you can, if you can be good defensively, it, it helps you compete in, in any game that you're in, no matter who you're playing. So uh, I think these guys, you know, they came in hungry. Uh, they wanted to have success this year, and they understood and, and bought into the fact that all right, if we want to compete with these guys, we got to be, you know, we got to be locked in defensively and commit to it. Um, and, you know, we've tried to hold them accountable for that, too. You were the former assistant at Trine for a number of years and helped kind of bring that program to where they got into the conversation, as it were, at the top of the conference. Does, is there almost confidence in yourself, um, especially in a season like this, where you know going in, I know this conference, I know these teams, and if we're playing this well and I can get our teams, our guys to buy in, we can be even better than this. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, being around, uh, working for Brooks Miller for five years, he's, he's arguably, if not the best, one of the best leaders I've ever been around. So uh, kind of seeing what we went through there and, and how we were able to uh, hang around toward the top there in that conference and, and what that took, um, obviously, we wanted to bring, you know, bring those ideas and, and principles to, to Adrian. Um, 
so definitely I think uh, I really learned learned a lot working for him and uh, obviously we're not we're not them uh, but you know, we're we're trying to do exactly well, you, what they're trying to do. So it's uh, it's it's very similar, I think. You might not be them, but you beat them um, already in this season. We'll get to the rest of the season in a moment. Let's talk about the team. Uh, you have one senior. It's an important senior, but you have one senior, Justin Webster, leading the team, nineteen point three points a game, nine point nine rebounds a game. So <laughs> practically a double double on top of two assists a game as well. But you have younger and guys who are making a difference it's jeremy is it uh kalanji 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 the sophomore 15 points a game uh you have jordan harris a freshman at 11 points a game you have treshawn hurd a sophomore pretty much 10 points a game we're going to give him the extra point two there he also hands out three assists a game on top of that uh and another freshman in sam colbert at eight points a game it's really about that younger group, and if they're starting to figure out how to win now and gain confidence now, you're in tremendous shape moving forward. There's you're ahead of the curve to some degree. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's very promising for our future. Uh, obviously, we, you know we rely quite a bit on Justin and um, and what he gives us from a, a production standpoint, but uh, more so what what he's what we've been really impressed by this year is his leadership, uh, which has been great. And I think, uh, you know, these guys came in looking up to him. They understood that he's the senior leader and, and they respect him and he earned that. Um, so it's, it's had a nice trickle down effect, I think to, to the other guys. Um, and, and about the other guys, I think, uh, you know, we try to recruit, like I mentioned before, uh, guys that are hungry, that, that want to win, that come from good programs and, and have good support at home. So uh, I think that's really helped them in, in their adjustment period. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, good to have, uh, it's good to have good parents because, in, you know, when you're going through all the changes of your, of your first year in college and making all the adjustments and when times are hard, uh, you know, these guys call home and, and it's, hey, you know, fight through it, stick with it. So it's, it's been great to have that support. Uh, from them, and and they have each other. I think our our team chemistry has been uh, phenomenal so far. So uh, I, you know, that that usually translates to success on the court. All right. So what do we got moving forward? Uh, obviously, you've got a lot ahead. Calvin on the road at their place certainly not easy. You'll then at least be home against Albion and Trine. That win at Trine is key at this point. Unfortunately, you do also have to travel to Hope. Uh, and Olivet, and then home against Alma before finishing it on the road against Kalamazoo. So a lot of bit, a lot of road trips here to some tough places. How do you keep the guys grounded and focused a little bit here, uh, or did that two game hiccup maybe help prove that point? Well, I you know I think there is a lot of season left, but we try not to look too far ahead and uh, just focusing on the next game. Um, and, and, and that's at Calvin, who I think, uh, even though they're two and five in the conference, I th- you know, they're good enough to, to win the rest of their games, uh, a very good Calvin team. So uh, that's, that's been our approach all season long is uh, how can we get better today and what do we need to do to, to get better and prepare for the next game and, and not look too far ahead and just take it one at a time. That's been our approach all year. Um, is this a conference you guys can win this year? Um, I don't think anything's out of the realm of possibility. I sure. think with the way, uh, you know, with the way things are going and with how things are this year, I, it's, I, it's, 
anybody can beat anybody, and that, that makes it very competitive. It makes it very interesting, um, and it, it keeps us in check in that we got to, hey, if you know, our margin for error, for error is so small, we can't afford to, to take a possession off or, or to have a bad day. You know, if we want to be in the mix, we're going to have to bring it every day. So I think that's kind of the way it's going this year. And I know you're only in your second season, but I'm curious, have you noticed a different approach or a different way that teams are approaching you guys now after what you've done so far in the season? In other words, is pregame feel different? Do and not coaches, because coaches are I know coaches well enough that they probably don't change necessarily, but they might say something. Uh, a little differently to you guys, more complimentary. But have you noticed things differently in the way teams are approaching you guys or preparing for you guys or, or even in how pregame goes? Um, I, not for sure. I, I think that when you're, when you're battling, you know, when, when you're toward the top, you're always going to get everybody's best game. Yeah. Um, we try not to concern ourselves too much with uh, – we just assume that, that everybody's going to give us their best game, and, and what we try to focus on is our own approach and making sure that we're, that we're keyed in and, and focused and, and that we have great preparation. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think that, that teams are focused night in and night out, and, and we're prepared uh, as much as we can be to, to make sure that we have it too. Well, I appreciate you taking time to join us on the show and talk about the Bulldogs. Um, fun to talk about someone different, to be honest with you, in the MIA. Nothing against Hope, Calvin, and Trine. Um, but it's fun to go find a different coach out there in a different program and, and have a chat about him. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys are having such a great season. It gives us a perfect excuse. Should we call you beforehand? Probably. But we had a great excuse to call you, and I appreciate you taking up the time on your evening to chat with us. As always, you give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Absolutely. You know, we really appreciate the support uh, that we've had uh, in, in the, this kind of, uh, of a run we've made so far this year. So it's been neat. You know, we've had more students at games than ever before. So uh, I know our guys appreciate that and, and it makes for a better atmosphere. So I uh, just want to thank everyone for your support. Well, perfectly said, Coach. Good luck the rest of the way. Look forward to talking about the Bulldogs in the future as well. And uh, at least try and, and weather the, the the literally the winter up there. I know, I know it can be a little bit extreme out there. <laughs> yeah, it's been a tough one so far this year. <laughs> Just a little crazy. Coach, take care. We'll talk soon. Dave, thanks a lot for the opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, Kyle Lindsay joining us. Uh, we didn't even mention an Adrian grad. It certainly is a theme we've had a lot this this season so far as graduates or alums who have taken over their program. Congratulations to them. Listen, we're not that far removed. Remember, last year, 7-18. and 18. Back in 2014, they were 5-20. and 20. Teams can turn it around. Great story about the Rippin' women's basketball team who went from 2-22 and 22 to in the top of the conference and in the conversation. Teams can turn it around, and it's something I certainly have stressed to my alma mater who is struggling. These things can happen, and hats off to the Bulldogs, to say the least. Yep, a little tough stretch ahead. Calvin on the road here coming up on Saturday. Um, then they're at home against Albion next Wednesday and home against Trine next Saturday. And then, unfortunately, three or four at home. Or three or four in the road, I apologize. So tough stretch. We'll see what happens. Congratulations though, to, to, to them. Uh, nonetheless, uh, pretty impressive uh, season so far for the Bulldogs. All right, so let's get you up with things I haven't been able to catch up on. Uh, we had some questions, and I want to get to them. In the meantime, reminder, Sunday we will be back on the air, 7 o'clock Eastern time, as we normally are. I uh, hope you'll um, tune in and, and uh, enjoy us for that. 
enjoy us for that. That's, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, enjoy the show for that. Then next Thursday is our marathon slated to be on the air. We are working to get our guests lined up. We should be going on 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. We have a couple surprises in store, though we may release uh, relief release those surprises uh, before we get there. Also, we may have some guests in studio. Uh, the show tends to not just just be about teams in Division Three. We may talk to some alums of Division Three as well and some others. So 10 a.m. and then Super Bowl Sunday. We have traditionally done a show um, earlier in the day. We're going to try a little differently this year and do it the day after. Um, I realize it should be a national holiday and all of that, um, but I think it might just allow us to get some better guests maybe. It also gives us an extra day to recover from the, the marathon and whatnot. So we're going to try it this year. looks like we'll do marathon um, or Super Bowl Sunday post on Monday instead talking Division Three basketball. All right, so Big Mike. Um, want to appreciate him chiming in here on our YouTube page. He's a big Middlebury fan. If you don't know Big Mike, and we appreciate him coming on. Um, he said December twentieth to January. You're talking about Middlebury. You remember we talked about Middlebury, and I was a little frustrated with their three out of five losing stretch to come out of the holidays, and they had gone a month there without any games. Um, he said December twentieth to January twentieth. Difficult to rank teams. Each team seems to go through a dead. Uh, leg period. Legs translate to shooting from crazy bad shooting nights. Equal losses regard regardless of opponent. Yeah, to some degree, I would agree with you. To some degree, I don't. I think actually the tough part for teams tends to be in mid-December, mid to late December, because you're, you're distracted by exams. You're distracted by some holiday travel. Teams, for the most part, are required to take some time off. And then you get some tournaments in there where they haven't had a lot of practice before they start playing that first game. Some teams literally a practice before they play a game uh, after Christmas. So I think that's more of the travel, the challenging part. And then maybe early January when maybe there's no nobody else on campus. Uh, it's a little bit of the boredoms. I don't think that period is tough to rank because I think teams rise to the top at that point in time traditionally I've seen teams kind of make their case for why they're going to be the one we're going to be talking about the rest of the season or should be in the top 25 early to mid-January. By this point in time in January, we usually know who those top teams are, and the top 25 becomes a much easier process. It's becoming a harder process, and I think it's because there are better and better teams in conferences now. The top is not as great as it used to be, and that's not a negative. I keep trying to stress that. It's because we have more parity and the top has come back a little bit. Conference races are becoming more interesting. And as a result, more teams can beat more teams on any given night. I don't think it's dead legs. I just think we have more parity. Um, listen, remember, Wartburg last year in men's basketball was the sixth seed in the IAAC. They went on the road, won three straight road games to be, and win the championship for the first time in conference history for a team to do that. Then went into the NCAA tournament, knocked off Benedictine, and it wasn't close. Knocked off River Falls, the host, and it wasn't close. And then had a good game in the in the Sweet 16. They've fallen on some tough times this year. But what my point is, we're starting to see teams deep in conferences who can do that. And that makes the top 25 a harder conversation to be had. He was talking about York versus Frostburg. York missed so many wide-open looks. Uh, I think that's just a team having a bad night. I saw York a week and a half, two weeks ago. I've lost track of when I saw them. And they looked better. Now, they're not deep. That's their that's their one drown, downfall at York. Is they You get into the bench, you can't go too deep in the bench without a significant drop-off. 
And that's just something you have to figure out. Um, he says, Wesleyan played without Kevin O'Brien, top three defender in the NESCAC. Okay. And, and that's kind of my argument was with Williams, too, is trying to gauge a team like Wesleyan or Williams who's missing a, a top player. Now, I, I, I suspect that O'Brien will be coming back. Scad loves out for the season, and I think Williams is still trying to figure that whole thing out. Really love your show. Well, I appreciate it. He says, Hamilton is a mirage. They can be beaten. Weak schedule. Yes and no. Hamilton has proven, despite, and I wouldn't call it a weak schedule, I wouldn't call it strong, I would call it an average schedule, they've shown they can win games. Their coach came on and also said, you know what, we can also lay an egg like we did against Amherst. I want to see what Hamilton does at the end of the season. They finish with Middlebury and Williams. Believe it or not, the litmus test comes in the final two of the, th of the final three games of the season. That's when we're going to truly know about Hamilton. That said, Hamilton the next two weekends is on the road in Maine. So they've got some major hauling to do. And you better hope Mother Nature's in, in good form because they're going to be in trouble if they don't because it's going to cause all kinds of havoc. But Hamilton, yeah, it's going to be tough between now and then. But those last two games against Middlebury and, and Williams will be the true test. I think Williams is good. I do agree. I think I have them higher, too highly ranked. But I have a lot of teams too highly ranked. Uh, I'd love to have everybody five spots back, including Whitman. Um, I don't think Hamilton's is a mirage, because if Hamilton's a mirage, so is Williams. To some degree, so is Middlebury. So is everybody else in that conference. And and I think the NESCAC, like the Net, like the WIAC, is good. Maybe the top's not as good as we think it is or have been used to. Um he says Swarthmore is impressive. I agree with you. I think Swarthmore is imp impressive as well. However, as impressive as they are, and I've seen them in person, they cannot, they cannot give games away, and they can't. They they seem to be struggling to play forty minutes. Trying not. To, my gut feeling says something might be amiss internally. I don't know. I hope. Let's just leave it at that. I, I don't want to speculate on anything, but something seems amiss. And they can't seem to put it together for 40 minutes. And if they're so impressive, they should be putting it together for 40 minutes. They're frustrating me. Um, he says, parody everywhere because basketball talent nationally is down everywhere. I've talked to high school refs and supervisors. Worst level of play they've ever seen. I don't agree. I, listen, the game has evolved. It's changed. I would agree that some players are be think they're better than they really are. I don't think talent's down, though. Um, I think more players have talent, and we don't have as many players who stand out as much as they used to. Um, I think players develop later uh, than they used to, which is fine. And I think that the Robinsons of the world is going to happen more often, the Duncan Robinsons, where, where, where maybe their talent blossoms late high school and early college. Um, I don't I don't think it's that negative a look at it. I think people's perspectives need to change. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't I mean, I've seen some really good talent around the country. I would argue there isn't a standout player of the year right now. I've got a couple in mind who I think are in that list. I'm not going to name them. But there is anybody who's a blowaway standout. But that happens from time to time. I mean, we can't have easy ones like Ben Strong. Uh, you can't have easy ones where other guys are just an easy pick. Sometimes it takes a little bit more to figure out who the best player in the world in the country is. Uh, but I would I don't think talent is down. 
uh, even in high school. Uh, I think more players are playing and more players are putting time in and more players are good. As a result, when the good rises, the great doesn't stand out as much. That's how I think it is. Now, we could talk about some bad habits, certainly, and some bad play, but I don't think the talent's down. Uh, top defensive teams will win this year, possibly, and that's why Stevens Point is a scary team. Stevens Point is a scary team because they are always a good defensive unit. Remember when they won their last championship, it was all about the defense. That's why I look at that Stevens Point team who didn't blow me away in Vegas and defensively at least stayed in games but really didn't play as well as I think they needed to to, to advance. If they keep improving on that and they keep and they keep getting better defensively and they continue to lead the conference, Stevens Point's a scary team. And and that's that argument where defensive teams will win championships. I agree. I think a defensive team will win this year. I think offensive teams will struggle. I think Whitman has shown that this year, that they have struggled against decent defenses. I think Ohio Wesleyan has shown that, that when they decide not to play defense, they get into some bad funks. Uh, so I think there's some truth to that. Uh, do you draw a WIAC team in the dance? Uh, you're not ready for their intensity. You go home. Yeah, no. But there's a lot of teams outside the WIAC who play good defense. It's not just WIAC. Francis got 36, but at the end of the game, Augustana got a stop and a steal because they knew Francis was getting it. Balance is important. Yep, that's that's a great point. Uh, Wheaton lost because Francis uh, was their go-to guy, and everybody in the building knew that, including the guys watching the game. Um, everybody in the world knew that. Yeah, that's where you need a second option, and that's where teams can falter, and we've seen that year in and year out in Division Three. Uh, he says, Augustana, my personal number one, but respectful to Whitman. Augustana is not even close to my number one right now. They were up near two. Wash U. If I were to place, replace Whitman, it'd be with Wash U. That team has is scary to me. And I will take what a coach messaged me. I will not name coaches because I don't think it's necessary unless they want to be named. He said that's the best team he's ever seen, best team he's ever coached against, best team that he has seen playing this year and i and i will give them that i'm going to stick with whitman for now but if i were to change my vote and i have considered it it'd be wash U. now wash U concerns me with their losses they've had some bad losses but they seem to be clicking right now and that is scary so i understand what you're saying here but i can't put augustana number one i, I put him down at 12 where did i put him uh, I finally moved them way down. I actually moved Illinois Wesleyan ahead of them. I knew someone in the CCIW room would get a chuckle out of that. I honestly, I felt like leaving Augustana ahead of IWU, but I put Augustana 15. Um, I think Wittenberg's better than Augustana. I think St. John's is better than Augustana. After that, it's a crapshoot. I, I have Augustana 15 and teams ahead of them, but I, you could argue any way, shape, and form on that, and, I, and that's been my problem. But those top four in my ballot are better than Augustana right now. I think they're missing Warford. I don't think they have an answer for Warford. They had an answer in Johnson last year to pick up for where Warford left. Uh, I don't think they have it this year, and I think they're more exposed. Augustana's a good team, but I don't think they're a great team. I don't think they're as great as they were last year. I don't think anybody's as great as they were last year. Um, uh, He threw on some other things I want to see. Uh, something about Middlebury. I won't go into that too much. Uh, Middlebury was able to beat Albertus after Jaquan fouled out in overtime. Yeah, and there was some personnel. I get that. Uh, I, I think Albertus Magnus is a good team. They just haven't put it together this year. Um, Middlebury versus MIT is coming in the tournament. I can feel it. Yeah, if that happens, that's an outstanding game. Middlebury-MIT, I hope, is a second weekend game. If not, uh, it better not be a first weekend t game, but I, I really hope that's a second weekend game. That's you're right. That would be outstanding. Um, 
Middlebury's never hosted the NESCAC championship. I know. And and it'd be nice if they did, wouldn't it? Uh, they control their destiny to some point. They do. Yes, I know Hamilton can be defended. Anybody can be defended. Um, I just don't think... Listen, my argument about John Carroll is they're not playing good enough defense, and some don't like that argument. I get that. I understand their points. I see their, I see their points. I understand that teams can be defended. But I think Hamilton does enough to at least stay in the conversation. But, hey, they got a few more games left. I'm going to keep an eye on them. Um, yeah, and, Mike, you need to watch Wash U. You definitely need to watch Wash U. Why? Watch, I'll point you to a game that they absolutely lay an egg. <laughs> That's how it usually happens, right? Uh, real quick, I had another question. I need to get to it. Hold on. Do you think Wittenberg men can go undefeated in the, in the NCAC play the rest of the way? This is from Ron from Columbus. No, uh, I don't think Wittenberg can. First off, I think Ohio Wesleyan will come back and revenge and, and avenge that loss that they had. Um, for whatever reason, Ohio Wesleyan has kind of just had issues. We'll call it issues. Um, but I don't think Wittenberg can beat Ohio Wesleyan a second time. Uh, I'm really curious if Wittenberg can beat Worcester a second time. Worcester's playing better than I thought they would be playing this year. Certainly better than how they started. But I don't know. I don't know all the reasons why. Um, but no, I don't think Wittenberg can go through the rest of the season undefeated. Not at all. Um, I got two more questions here, but I might save them. Yeah, I'm going to save them for Sunday. One of them is about Plattsburgh State, and the other one has to do with the women, and definitely asking Ryan and I for opinions on that. Um, I'm going to save them for Sunday. So Frankie and Jesse, thanks for your emails. I want to save them for Sunday if you don't mind. Um, let's see, double checking to see if you guys have any more questions for us. Um, again, tweet us at D3 hoops or hashtag hoops email us hoops at D3 hoops.com, uh, or on Facebook. I didn't see anything on Facebook. Um, so I think that's going to probably wrap up our show. Uh, let's see, by the way, I, a couple things earlier. I said, uh, in, I said, um, uh, in the Gallaudet pre-interview or, or setting that up i said uh that i had a um well what i meant to say was i had an interpreter with me i, I misspoke i want to make sure that the audience understands that um let's see and i also i had mentioned that augustana i think i mentioned this earlier augustana had beaten um wheaton yeah i did mention this uh at augustana the game was actually at wheaton i did know that i just kind of screwed it up um in my head gonna quickly check scores i did not check scores last thursday and i realized after the fact i should have um swarthmore having an easy time of it early against washington college um washington college is a team to watch for in the next couple of years uh franklin marshall's having a very easy time of it with gettysburg that's an interesting result they're up 30 and have only allowed 44 points have the diplomats with 404 left to go in that game that's an interesting outcome on a, on a three-game week for the women in the centennial uh let's see da, 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 da. norwich got past anna maria hartwick got past almira putting up 101 spot johnson and wales past mount ida no surprises here hopkins got past mcdaniel no surprise there dickinson got past muhlenberg maybe a little surprise there those teams are kind of even so that's on the men's side on the women's side of things muhlenberg got past dickinson okay that's how we expected it um I don't see 
any other surprises here jumping out at me. Uh, Washington College in the women's basketball beat Swarthmore. That's a good win for Washington College. Good for them. That's a coach who's doing her best. I think they've got pieces there that can make them dangerous. You know, nothing else really jumps out of me on the women's side of things. So I guess the nights I check are the nights that nothing happens. The nights I don't check are the nights that everything in the world happens. Um, by the way, we didn't mention this a while back. Um, St. Thomas men and women combined for tw- now more than 2,500 wins in their program's combined history. That's pretty impressive. Scranton's about to do it themselves. This weekend, they have two games, men and women. They need one to hit the 2,500 win mark. That's a lot of wins, people. That's a lot of wins. Um, hats off to both programs for their not only longevity, but their consistency, to say the least. Uh, so I guess that's going to do it for us. Um, a reminder again, we're on the air Sunday at 7. We're on the air for the marathon next Thursday. And then we're on the air following Monday after Super Bowl Sunday uh, as we get going. Lots to talk to about on the marathon. We will update our marathon page in the next 24 hours. So you can see what, what we have for a show coming. And then we will also uh, start giving you a, a sense of what's going on um, with guests and whatnot. Really want to thank our guests tonight who came on the show. Bob Amsbury from Wartburg, Amy Reed from RIT, Stephanie Stevens from Gallaudet and the WBCA Center Court, Daryl Keckler from Drew, and Kyle Lindsay from Adrian. Uh, thank their sports information directors as well. Also thank all of you for tuning in. Uh, sorry i thought i got another score but i i did not see or another question but nope uh mistaken there i apologize um there was something else oh cciw i should have mentioned this beginning of the show cciw announcing next year they will have six teams in their conference tournament for men's and women's basketball remember they're out to a nine team uh league now uh, they're also expanding volleyball and, and baseball, I believe. And I believe if I read it correct, CCIW people can yell at me later. I believe two will play five, three will play. That can't be right. I did something wrong there. Hold on. You know what? It's a lot easier if I just call up the email and, and read it. Right, folks? I apologize. Should have read this earlier. Um, all right. Here we go. So the expansion's got, and this is not for this year. I'm just making note of it for next year. Don't don't go crazy here, folks. Um, here, I got a sample schedule. This is wonderful. Thank you. Uh, so basically, on a Tuesday, three would play six. Uh, three would host, and four would play five, and, and four would host. Then one and two get buys. On f- so that's how they're doing it. So three v six, four v five on a Tuesday night. Three and four will host. Then they all go to the to the top seeded place on Friday. And it's a one versus whoever the remaining lowest seed is, and two versus highest. So they'll kind of reshake it up. Kind of, if you know the Stanley Cup playoffs, they do this as well. So if six or if if five and three were to win, one would end up playing five, and two would end up playing three. Um, instead of you know, if four and six won, then one's playing six and two's playing four. Um, it just changes to make sure that one still gets the lowest seed and two still gets the highest remaining seed. And then the championship on Saturday, all played again at the one spot, except for those Tuesday games. Listen, I personally like it. It gives a little bit more or options for uh, teams to get into the tournament. Um, I'm, I'm a proponent. Listen, Division Three, the NCAA in general, is built on equal opportunities at the NCAA championship. That's what AQs are all about. Um, 
and thus the ratios for how many teams get into the tournament and, and blah, blah, blah. So I am a proponent that everybody gets a fair and equal chance. And I know a lot of people will say that the regular season uh, dictates that and that you play out the regular season, you had your chance, and whoever had the better regular season gets in. I get it. Not not disagreeing with it. I'm not going to argue against it. My only point is conf- the only conference in the entire NCAA, all divisions, that does not have a conference tournament is the UAA, and it's for obvious logistical reasons. Even the, even the Ivy League has not gone to a tournament. Granted, theirs is for money. We don't have that in D3. So in that case, if you're going to have a tournament, I like as much opportunity of equal access as possible. Now, maybe the ODAC is extreme, and they are going away from that. Not everybody will make the tournament anymore either, as they've grown. But I like the idea of as much equal access as possible. And so expanding the tournament to six to allow a couple teams a chance for that AQ, to me, is okay. And I don't think it waters down the regular season, because here's the deal. You still want to be the number one seed. If possible, you still want to be the two seed to avoid the one seed as long as possible. You still want to make the six, so there's three teams that aren't going to make it. There's still, heck, three and four get to host games. There's still stuff in play that makes the regular season important. It still makes November important. And by the way, the NCAA tournament is still in play. Your games on November 15th and next year, November 8th, are going to mean the same as they are at the end. So the regular season doesn't get watered down at all if you want to try and make the regular season. If anything, the CCIW is giving some of their pool C's maybe one more chance at a decent game or two more chances to help boost their resume to some degree. I like that. Um, the 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 one and two get a get a good shot. We already knew that, but three the three and four teams, which tend to be in the conversation, now actually get maybe a better game against a team that's going to give them some resume boost. So that's that's kind of nice. I like it. Remember the Wyack invites all eight. So no, that's not true. They don't. I apologize. I'm I'm misspeaking there. Um, but yeah, personally, I don't mind it. I, I like it, but. But that's I'm just maybe I'm different in that sense. All right, we gotta go. Well past our bedtime, as it were. We're gonna get going here. Reminder: back on the air Sunday at seven o'clock Eastern. Thanks to all our guests. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Thanks to all of you who sent us questions and interacted with us. Really appreciate that as well. We know that gets a little bit crazier as the season goes on, and we look forward to interacting with all of you down the road. I am making one last sweep through our system. Uh, Big Mike retracted something. Good, I didn't see it, but. Um, he says, love the pushback. I love the pushback, too. I like the interaction. I am more than willing to, to, to hear a different opinion. I'm more than willing to tell you when I'm wrong. I'm more than willing to, to have a conversation about stuff. Thanks, Big Mike, for, for making that part of the night. Uh, I really appreciate it. All right, folks, that's it. Reminder, Sunday. Also, Ryan will come on, and we'll do our double our Top 25 double take. Um, and remember, I blogged out my Top 25 earlier this week. If you want to go take a look, even Ryan did. I think I tweeted that out earlier. That's it for us. Good night, everybody. Thanks to all of our guests. Thanks to all our sports information directors. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to the WBCA, the NABC, and D3Hoops.com for their support, and, of course, the City of Salem as well. We'll be back on the air Sunday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Enjoy some basketball. You can watch it across devices, whether it be computer, Roku, uh, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, whatever, or go to a game and support these student-athletes. It is a fun season in men's and women's basketball. Go enjoy it yourself. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. This uh, show is copyrighted. It all belongs to me. You better call me if you want to reuse it. Uh, thanks for your patronage, and we will talk to you on Sunday night. Good night, everybody.